Oh my God! What? It's happening. Hey, eight forty-five. You know, <laughs> but it's happening. Better late than never. Totally. Welcome to Fat Man Beyond. Uh, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Hey. Ho. This. Ladies and gentlemen, represents the last Fat Man Beyond of my 40s. I know Sunday somebody has a birthday. That's right. Next time we do the show, I will be half a century old. Wow. I 50 feel years like... old, still dressed like a child. <laughs> but you got your big boy pants on. That's true. Still earning a living. I, I work in short pants like Mickey Mouse. You do. But my whole career. I appreciate you in your second half of your career. You got a blazer on. Like That's you're true. going to work. I classed it up. Well, Mickey sometimes wore a jacket as well, right? Um, that's right. This is the last uh, show of my 40s, man. So. going to get slower from here. This is the last time I'll be in this bar as a 40, a man in my 40s. Next time I come in here, I'll be age inappropriate. You're going to start to get the double ARP mail like you can eat off the silver menu. Ooh. Hey. Um, this, and what's the silver vegan menu like? <laughs> Just mashed potatoes. Yeah. Here are your kumquat. <laughs> Some squash. You know, easy on your teeth. Um, no, man, I'm excited. Uh, you know, fucking the first 50 were interesting. Let's let's go for another 50. Woo, one more ride. One more ride. <laughs> then he dropped dead. Um, no, this will be the last time we do the show uh, before that big milestone. I know. And then you're also doing a big, big-ass drive-in spectacular spectacular. The drive-in uh, is on the day after my birthday. We're doing it August 3rd, celebrating. On, on my actual birthday, we're doing a live stream, uh, a streaming 50, hour, 50 years, 50 questions, a streaming with Kevin Smith. Um, <clears throat> the idea of doing a 50-question Q&A like, means we may be there all day. I mean, I somehow, I kind of expected like a 50 hour, like a, a live stream as long as you're fasting. So <laughs> listen, I'm last bite now, fucking stream until I eat again. That would have been smart, man. Cause then I would have been distracted the whole fucking time, right? <laughs> Just yapping. My mouth would have been, you know, full of words instead of fucking I've been, yummy chow. I've been to my share of Kevin Smith Q and A's and 50 questions could take you a week yeah it might take a while when i was at i went to the carnegie hall one and uh you answered one question for two and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> imagine you bought a ticket going like maybe i'll get to ask him a question one guy did yeah and the question was like how you doing <laughs> let me tell you buddy <laughs> sit down okay i'm sitting down uh that's what i wanted to do for my 50th was uh carnegie hall but in a better world, in a different timeline, uh, where we don't have COVID, uh, that might have happened and stuff. So, I, I'm, unfortunately, that may have stopped, but I my age aging did not. No, since time waits for no man. It doesn't. Um, or man boy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, this will be it. This will be the last time. It's Somebody in my in my thread, like I put up a tweet today, and the tweet was. Um, you know, there's some shit going on with the United States Postal Service. Yes. Horrible shit. And uh, I have, have, you know, special affection for the United States Postal Service because that's how I lived as a child. My father worked for the post office and uh, we were a postal fucking family and stuff. So, you know, uh, mail was always magical uh, to me, you know, whether it was my marvel subscriptions coming in or my bantha tracks coming in from the star wars fan club or relatives send you money and barbara gives you 20 bucks and stuff 
like you know later on in life ah my my premier magazine has arrived you know subscription service and stuff like that uh the many albums that we stole from the columbia records house (laughs) you know all those wonderful mail memories mailing away star wars had this on lock when you were a kid collect a few proof of purchases mm-hmm. mail away and we will send you an action figure man you waited for that plain brown box to show up i ate so much cereal that i didn't want to eat just to get a kenner action figure right oh so at the end of the day you know great affection for it for personal reasons not to mention it's a great institution of this country yeah not to mention if something happens to the fucking post office then kevin why did kevin costner make the postman <laughs> like it, the story don't come true it's got to be the one thing that's going even after a fucking apocalypse there's got to be some dude who's like we're gonna get the mail delivered and shit um so i put up this tweet going like this, you know breaks my heart like what can we do and you know a lot of people were like buy stamps send all your packages through usps and stuff like don't use fedex don't use ups or whatever um one person explained to me what you know the gop is doing or what they Mm. assess as the being done here and stuff in a way as if i didn't know what was fucking going on like i can't read the news (laughs) myself but then also said you want to help kevin stop being so fucking apolitical and that stopped me in my tracks because i'm like i made red state (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I made dogma. Like, where have I ever been apolitical? Like, you know, just just raised a bunch of money for the NAACP empowerment movement. Like, my my uh, celebrity show off charity is uh, the National Black Justice Coalition. If you watch any of my movies and listen to a single one of my podcasts without being overtly political, I think it's very clear. Where I stand on things, but in case it needs to be said, I'm pretty fucking liberal. <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody knows that, but Hold like, on. Uh, it wasn't in my news, but uh, it's a hot take. It's, a hot take. <laughs> like it's, it's you know, I'm sure this is gonna get picked up on Good Morning America because yeah. they're like, he finally came out and said it. Comicbook.com, Kevin Smith, liberal. Please don't mistake. <laughs> That's actually the true story. I love comicbook.com. We were talking about right before the show, somebody was like, I saw online, somebody wrote one of those, nobody, absolutely nobody, comicbook.com. Kevin Smith wiped his ass, all caps. <laughs> comicbook.com is, they like me and they do write. I, let me tell you something. You know what's kept my self-esteem going through this lockdown? comicbook.com because they make me feel relevant every week you know what kevin smith thinks i feel like he, i'm ef hutton you what does ef hutton say yeah I, I i'm with bf hutton and ef hutton says mm-hmm. all those fuckers leaning in um in any event um i i i don't mistake like me not you know posting the same stuff as I don't know, like Judd Apatow as like me being apolitical. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know how to I, I just I've never been that person. I, I don't talk about things <clears throat> that I'm not insanely well versed in. That's why I talk about trivial things. 
very <laughs> trivial things. You don't need one more celebrity, you know, going like, you know what sucks in this country? Um, I'm the person uh, who who is, you know, over here trying to take your mind off that from time to time when I can, if you're into that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I I would not consider myself apolitical. You? Do you consider me apolitical? Um, I don't. I don't. <laughs> you know, I in in our conversations and even on the podcast, like it's relatively clear, you know, on on what side of the aisle you fall. And that's not to say Republican or Democrat. It's to say liberal versus conservative and it's and and i have always felt in as long as i've been a, a journalist covering entertainment and then finding some weird ass back way into a corner of being part of entertainment mm. that you know the job of an artist is to reflect the world around them mm. and so an artist should be you know if not incredibly well versed at least in touch with their own feelings about what's happening in order to make art that reflects the time that they're living in true so art by necessity and artists by necessity are political they can't be apolitical because that's the fabric of the world we live in mm. and whether or not you just come out and fucking say it whether there's bumper stickers in your car whether there's you know signs in your lawn oh there are bumper stickers on the car but they're selling <laughs> clerks they're selling jay and silent bob <laughs> you know but it's it's one need not always shout to the rafters that you are this or that while still betraying a sense of alignment you know you're you're neutral good chaotic good sometimes i also feel like like who am i converting like who do you think i'm talking to out here that needs like to be won over to some other side you know what i'm saying like right. i i think i don't i don't i think I, I i think we have a pretty liberal audience as well we do but you would know better than me uh, you know your take it was the most interesting thing happened like five years ago when we put up cameras, you know, because for the first two years of this podcast, it was audio only and nobody knew what I looked like. Right. And, you know, then it was, oh, shit, Marcus Black? That's right. Because I was never like, for the listener at home who <laughs> <laughs> cannot see, yeah, Mark <laughs> is black. <laughs> and then we started the show. Yeah, FYI. <laughs> Um, this is brought to you by Grant from the Helena Rubin Foundation, <laughs> and also the other one. Is black. But so when when that bit of very closely held information was released, f seeing the response from the audience was fascinating because there were some people who just literally didn't know and didn't care, and there were some people who might have cared if they had known earlier, but were now pot committed. Is that right? Yeah. Some people are like oh. listen. If I would I hate on his ass, but uh, he writes a good story. <laughs> yeah, like he knows some shit about the same shit that I know about, so I guess he's cool. So in that way, you might have been a bridge. You know, it it it, and lots of them told me that. As Is that much. right? You know, especially when we started covering things like Luke Cage and Iron Fist <laughs> and Black Panther, and just that idea that there was a perspective that had never been part of their lives right. that suddenly is, and they can you know recalibrate the way they view the rest of the world. You know, and then when we talked about, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff and being able to to use the commonality, the, the, the lingua franca of nerd as this sort of ambassadorship from people who might not feel the way I feel about things. At least we had that common tongue that we can talk. True this. And so it's it's not a political thing, but it is, oh, you come from a different place and you might believe different things simply from your upbringing, not mm. that you have chosen to believe one thing or another. 
but people have been very warm, like 80%, 90% of this audience has been incredibly fluid with their belief systems as it relates to sort of race and class in America. Just, I didn't think about it that way before. I don't mm. have any black friends. You're my one black friend. Okay. <laughs> Is that what they say to you? <laughs> Every now and again. <laughs> like, you're the one black guy that I know. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody said that's me, I'd be like, you're in trouble. I hate to break this to you. Yeah. So like, you know, while I don't think this podcast is by nature political, I think that by virtue of the pair of us talking about shit every week, our 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 feelings are not secrets. Agreed. You know, and it's not a bad thing. No. It's not a bad thing at all. Um, and also, we should totally save the post service service i mean which is what the original point of the discussion was before i got taken down the rabbit hole of like am i political political? um Um, i mean and i'm not even saying save it for sentimental reasons it's like how the fuck does the post office go under neither rain nor sleet nor snow dead of night nor dead of yeah and now it's like slow that package down would you (laughs) it's it's coming too fast yeah i mean the fact that you can for less than a dollar send something across the country and believe with 100% surety that it will get there within a week is a miracle. Yeah. Like, and this happened before fucking jets and planes and email and stuff. Like, you could actually just, and, and, and the fact that you could connect the country, in some cases the world, for less than it cost to buy a bag of chips, like... It's miraculous. And the fact that that's not a thing that, that the government is, is rallying the wagons to protect boggles the mind. Except for the fact that we know why it's not rallying to protect it. Right. Because, you know, lots of people vote by mail. and if the- Which is fucking nuts, man. <laughs> like, if that's the case, if the post office is going down because of that, that's... Yeah. I mean, John Oliver had an amazing... Yeah, I remember that piece. Yeah. Where it's like, here's, here's what the post service... Is- post office is supposed to do and how it's supposed to work and here's the legislation that got introduced you know five six years ago that you know cut it out by the knees and here's the new shit that's happened in the last three or four years that has made it untenable and there's no way for it to to make a profit it was also not designed to make a profit that's true it's, so, a, it's like what do they call it like a civil service is it yeah, a civil service like a public good yes <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. We're probably way off the fucking rails here. JC, what is it? What's going on like, in the chat? Is everybody like, what the fuck? I liked yeah. you better when you were apolitical. Yeah, in your effort people- to be apolitical, you've become very political. People are pretty civil. People are doing okay. Good. Excellent. Thanks, kids. Um, but yeah. Thanks for allowing us a little bit of... And it, 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 that John Oliver 50-year-old piece- man talk. <laughs> Let me tell you about the mail. <laughs> Uh, that John Oliver piece was also like the tail end of it. He's like, yeah, well, we bought stamps. And you can, it turns out that you can put your face on stamps and if people buy it, then it goes back to the fucking post office. And it's like, hey, we should do smodcast. We, uh, I'm in. Can you still do them? I believe so. Um, my friend Derek, who was the video assist artist on, um, on uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot out in new orleans the playback guy so every after every take i'd be like derek and then he would start playing the take because when you're in the movie and directing the movie there's a lot of i'm here and now i run over here to watch it now i run over here to pretend so uh he sent me recently a bunch of beautiful letter about working on the movie but a bunch of stamps Mm. um 
that had me and Jay on them, Harley on them, me and Jen on them and stuff. And he was like, they're legit stamps. You could actually use them and stuff. Uh, so I, I, I didn't know if there was some sort of cutoff because I remember the John Oliver mm. piece, there was some sort of like yeah. deadline or something like that. But if we can, I would totally do that. That'd be fun. And people would buy them and use the post office. Um, you wouldn't even have to put them on letters, man. You just put them on your binders, your trapper keepers that you hold <laughs> like this while you walk down the hallway. Your favorite <laughs> Smodco podcasters. A, trapper keepers. <laughs> B, always. Yeah, true. Schools. <laughs> Schools. <laughs> Books. Close people. Non-social distance. <laughs> um, we've got uh, a bunch to talk about, including... Um, you know, uh, I I found a Quibi show that you would love. <laughs> Did not see this coming. Yes. Hold on. It was the big news of the week for me. Um, I not, went. Did you subscribe to the Quibi? I went and did, I do now because I went and did a voiceover for a show they got. The Russo brothers produced or EP executive produced a show called Slugfest, mm -hmm. which is based on a book which is about the history of competition between Marvel and DC. Wow. So, you know, these are eight-minute episodes. They had 10 that I got to watch that were fucking spellbinding. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not over or underselling it. Anybody who enjoys this show would enjoy that show 10,000 times more. They deep Don't dive, that, dude. And it's true. I'm, I'm just being honest. They deep dive for eight minutes, mind you, mm. on like legit epic moments in comic book history. So not just the like, you know, uh, old Marvel, old DC, you know, the, from the crossover to Timely and stuff. I'm talking about they did an eight minute deep dive mm -hmm. on the Clone Saga. Jeez. It was fucking wonderful. And on top of it, so it's this documentary series. And you know how documentaries do reenactments? Mm -hmm. They get fucking famous people to do the reenactments. <laughs> so, like, uh, at one point, Ray Wise, you know, who played, uh, he was in, of course, Twin Peaks, many mm -hmm. things. But he, I know him. I worked with him on Reaper. He was right. our devil in Reaper. He played Jack Kirby it, when Jack Kirby left marvel and went to dc that's perfect it, it was fucking uncanny they had a few people playing S stan including a younger person mm -hmm. when he was stanley uh and he was working for um oh god who was it the two cats who created captain america joe right. simon and jack kirby right. joe simon and jack kirby are sharing an office and it's a different person playing that version of jack kirby because it's younger and at one point, like they 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 put out Captain America. They tell the story of of Joe and Jack working at Timely, and you know they'd had some comic book su success with the um, Human Torch and Submariner, mm -hmm. but Superman was fucking huge, and so they were like, we need a Superman. And so they're sitting around trying to come up with the ideas. And finally, they're like, Captain America. And so they start building the character. Joe Simon is played by, um, um, oh, fuck, I'm such a stoner. Brandon, um, who played Superman. Oh, Brandon Routh. Yes, Brandon Routh. 
is playing Joe Simon. <laughs> and it's it's like wonderful. At one point he references Superman and you're like, that guy played Superman. <laughs> um the the lady who is in Deadpool who plays his girlfriend. Marina Beck. She plays Jeanette Kahn. Wow. At DC Comics, because they do an eight-minute deep dive on when Jeanette was hired in the 70s, not only the first like fucking female executive in publishing or at least in comics, um, but like how they, they do a story on the DC explosion. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So in the like 70s, at one point, DC was like, we're going to add a bunch of fucking titles. It was like the NHL expansion league where, where suddenly they were like, here's fucking way more teams than you ever had. Front camera, please. Um, so at that point, they introduced fucking dead man. They introduced like a bunch of fucking characters, stuff that still plays today. But, you know, the books went right in the shitter and the DC explosion instantly became the DC implosion. Mm. And they canceled 60% of their fucking runs and stuff, which led them to some other thing that like made them succeed or something like that. I think was the moral of the story. I just couldn't believe they were doing a whole fucking deep dive on like Jeanette Kahn. <laughs> like that's crazy like um but it also makes sense what else did they do uh, workout video in there for which one anyone it seemed like the quibby guys were all about those workout videos nothing about working out they uh that, that, <laughs> that was katzenberg doing a thigh master she that was katzenberg he was the one who was offering <laughs> yeah. gal Gadot. um what else did they do they did the uh death of robin the call-in mm -hmm. um and that was dramatized like it's fucking stunning like a stunning achievement is directed by the kids that directed um batman and bill the documentary mm -hmm. about your bill finger bill finger the bill finger doc um and uh it is just fucking perfection like i i had such a it wasn't even like they were like would you want to like throw a voice in here I, I like i was like are you fucking i'd be mad now that i've watched them all if i wasn't fucking involved like it's so so fucking good i was like jesus man like when does this happen so look out for it. it's called slug fest did you have to watch the screeners on your phone i did watch them on my phone and never once occurred to me to like do this shit but they gave me a link but honestly, after I watched him, I was like, this is Quibi? And I downloaded fucking Quibi. Wow. Because it was good. I was like, this is fucking tight. Like, all that it took for them to get a subscriber to Quibi was to pay you a god's, godly ransom to voice over a thing. <laughs> no. And we paid you like 28 times what it'll cost you to subscribe to it. No, not at all. <laughs> all they had to do was show me a show where I was like, oh, shit. I like you, this fucking show. You're doing show. this? Yeah. So it, it's cool. Um, at one point, apparently they reached out to me to be like on it on one of the reenactments mm -hmm. like i could have played howard mackey Ooh, is that who they wanted you for clothes i'm not sure who it was man it might have been because still they got anthony mackey <laughs> <That'd be> amazing because <laughs> um, him and i compete for the same jobs all the time it's the goatee um bobby moynihan i think they got instead. Uh. so it, you know it, i guess like we were off doing the reboot roadshow tour so to kind of get in there as as anything was kind of cool but i'm telling you you will absolutely fucking love it. It was like it was made exactly for us because it's not just like they like it's they talk about when Kirby created the new gods at DC and brought in like funky Flashman mm -hmm. who was like 
a big poke at Stan and how like Jack at one point in his life was like, I, maybe I went too far with that. Cause apparently it like really hurt Stan's feelings and stuff. Um, it, it's so dishy and just wonderfully fucking rendered, man. Um, they tell a story about how Stan, just imagine Stan Lee recreates the DC mm -hmm. universe, how that happened. They do like an eight fucking minute deep dive on that. It's crazy. And now the sky's the limit. If they get picked up, they could literally like just pick Anything. an obscure story. Like, or any or a well-known story. They did, of course, the death of Superman mm -hmm. and why they did this death of Superman, which like they were doing the Superman is gonna marry Lois. That's what they worked toward. And then Jeanette Kahn came in and was like, the TV show, Lois and Clark, they don't want them getting married because they're not married on the TV show. They're fucking, there's chemistry, but marriage would be weird. So they had to put aside the marriage storyline, which they built for like six months. Louise Simonson was interviewed. Mm -hmm. And then somebody plays Louise Simonson. Wow. Um, in, in the, oh, it was, what's her name? Um, the girl who played Supergirl's mom on the show in the pilot, and like for the first season and stuff. Oh. She's always on the Colbert show. She does the first lady. Um, she, Laura Benanti? Yes. She played Louise Simonson. And then they also interview Louise Simonson and they talk about how after they built that storyline about like Superman and Lois finally gonna get married after fucking decades, like they had to change on a dime because of the fucking show. And out of frustration, um, I forget who it was, the guy goes, let's just kill him <laughs> about Superman. And they were like, you know what? Like, Let's, Mike, Mike Carlin, was that him? It wasn't Mike, though, because he was the editor of the group. This was like a group meeting. It was another famous name. I think it was one of the writers on the book, but not the writer. But I forget his name. But I remember Louise Simonson because I was like, oh, shit, man. She was there for Ground Zero. And she told the story about, like, you know, he said, let's kill him. Let's just kill him. And then they did the death of Superman storyline, which made them so much fucking money. Mm. Like, still one of the biggest selling comic books of all time. And like reintroduced Superman. Remember, everybody was going to buy those fucking like, I'm going to buy, like they show this recreation of like Louise Simonson talking to a friend. And a friend is like, you know, we just bought 20 more issues of that death of Superman because we're going to send the kid to college. And Laura Benanti as, as uh, Louise Simonson is eating a cookie and she's just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh really yeah and she's like choking on her cookie because she doesn't want it. she's because louise simonson she says she's like you know basically when you think about it if there are millions of something it's not really going to be worth anything she's like so all those people that were like oh my god he dies in this issue this is historic never put together that like it's fucking 10 million of these books in existence so how on earth is it yeah. ever going to be as popular as action comics number one yeah nothing is rare when everybody has it when everybody's got one so I'm telling you, man, I've, I've, that was my favorite thing I did all week. In the last week of my forties was watch that show. Cause I went into it going like, all right, I'm sure this will be fine. And like, it, it was a page turner, man. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I can't believe, oh my God, they're doing this. Oh my God. They did this story. I hope they go again, man. It was, it's fucking dope. Uh, you want slug slug fest based on the book. And the guy that wrote the book, he's one of the people interviewed Yeah, Michael Uslan. He gets interviewed an awful lot. Um, once yeah. again, we've sold a TV show better than the people whose job it is to sell a TV show. True. Nobody knows about it yet. I think, but this might, might actually be the first time. I don't even know if they 
like in the trade. Said, Did you just announce okay. it? <laughs> we might have. <laughs> we got real news, you guys. That's true. Uh, maybe there must have been some announcement somewhere along the way. A reason to subscribe to Quibi. Slugfest. Get it. Get it. I'm telling you, it, it's, it is. Mm. It was it was that fucking good. I look forward to the uh, the Image Founders episode. They didn't do that, and I was surprised. Mm. But they also didn't do a lot of obvious things, but at the same time did shit where I was like, what? They do this one great story. Did you ever hear this? There was this guy named Tom Fagan mm. who was like the king of cosplay. He kind of introduced <laughs> cosplay. He had this, there's this town in Vermont where he had this superhero parade once a year and he put floats together and all these people and this is in the 70s like 1974 or some such shit and they got pictures all these people dressed up like fucking comic book heroes so you got like an ant-man like circa 1973 not That's just cool. spider-man and shit it's like honestly early proto cosplay it is cosplay it's just no and it's kind of a convention like before there was a convention so this guy would bring together Marvel and DC writers. You know, they were always like, oh, we don't like each other, but they all fucking hung out together and stuff. And so um, who is it? Um, uh, the guys that did Batman in the 70s, Marshall Rogers and. Uh, oh, man, you know, God damn it. It's not Denny, right? Not Denny, but. Ah, he also did Doctor Strange. Oh, fuck. Damn it. And we host a fucking show about comic books. <laughs> this is just me being a stoner. I totally smoked his name away. Can you Google real quick? Um, oh, fuck. How do we track him down? Um, what did I say? Uh, Marshall Rogers Batman. And then it'll be the other name that's usually associated with that. Either that or it's flat out Marshall Rogers, and I've really <laughs> just. There's an artist there, right? Wasn't Englehart an artist? Then maybe it is. What is Marshall? What does it say about Marshall Rogers? Say he's a comic book writer? Was an American comic book artist best known for his work at Marvel and DC Comics? That's who, in the Marvel, 1970s. That's who Marshall Rogers was. Yes. Now click on Steve Englehart. That's the guy he did the Batman run with. Wow, look at that. I mean eating up time. Uh, yeah. Steve Englehart is an American show. Is an American writer of comic books and novels. He is best known for his work at Marvel in DC in the 70s and 80s. Yes, this is his pseudonyms be include John Harkness and Cliff Garnett. Uh, and we're looking for Did he work on Doctor Strange? Potent run on Doctor Strange originally with Frank Brunner. In which Strange's mentor, the Ancient One, died and Strange became the new the Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme. Supreme. They've been talking about that. All right, so what's his name? Steve Engelhart. Steve Engelhart. Um, all due respect. Sorry, I smoked that away. I should know better. Um, Steve Engelhart gives this amazing fucking interview where he talks about, like, look, it was the 70s. Like, we all did drugs. He's gone, so that wound up in the fucking work. So he talks about, he's like, that's, like, why... Dr. Strange became the Sorcerer Supreme. He was master of the mystic arts, but we were like, no, he needs to be the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> and they started writing these trippy fucking stories and they turned in, a, they, it's so well dramatized as well. 
they because they have the guy telling the real story and then they reenact it. They turn in this story where Doctor Strange like meets essentially God. Mm. And, you know, Stan was like, I don't need religious people down on me and stuff. So he got a letter, Stan, from this priest, this Reverend Blah Blah somewhere. And he said, hey, man, I read that issue. And, like, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's a representation. Like, this is something you can give to kids, a powerful story with morals and blah, blah, blah. And Stan was, like, blown away because Stan read all the letters that came in, like, he was he was voracious they every one of them says it like the like stan and the letters that was his thing he he believed in listening to the audience so he brought this letter around to everybody because he was talking about killing the storyline and then he was like look this came from this reverend guy and he's saying he's using this in his church to like teach kids so whatever you're doing keep doing it maybe i should try some of that lsd (laughs) they have him saying and it's Sean Gunn plays Stan. Oh, nice. At that age. So then they cut to Steve Engelhart going, We wrote the letter. We, just, <laughs> <laughs> we sent this letter to Stan because we knew he read the letters and we knew he was very impressionable. So we wrote this glowing letter of the book from a religious person that he was worried about. And then everything went fine. He's like, We knew nothing was going to come from the comic book. Stan was just being a bit alarmist. So. We just kind of assuage the situation. It's a beautiful story, but the key of the story is they created the first crossover event in between DC and Marvel because they wrote themselves into a story that spanned two Marvel comics and one DC comic. The same characters that crossed over. So the same cats that met like the Hulk, these three hippie dudes, were in Batman or whatever fucking issue, whatever comic, DC comic it was, a few (laughs) weeks later. Like, they did it on the down low. They never told their bosses. And when their bosses got wind of it, they were like, just don't do it again. Uh, But it was the secret DC Marvel crossover. That story alone, I was like, I didn't fucking notice shit. And I didn't know about this dude, Tom Fagan. Like, that's, that's like, kind of legit. And also, this story's brought to you by United States Postal Service. That's right. Good point. It's the whole reason we started talking about this shit in the first place. Save the post office, damn Do it. it. Otherwise, um, Stan wouldn't have gotten amazing self-written letters to justify true. Doctor Strange talking to God. He's got a point. Way to tie it. That really ties the room together. <laughs> Lebowski, well done. Um, all right. Shall we dive into the news? We can dive into some news, my friend. Um, I, You know, this bottle... Empty, but green. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> I'm in the news this week. You I'm are. the captain now. You are. You are the top of the news, my friend. Um, do I have the top story? You have the top fucking You're story. You're so sweet. Mark Bernard, and he used to be a news hound, so he pulls the news t- together every fucking week right here at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Um, this week, I make the news. You do. Uh, in my role as the podcast Sam Eagle... Uh, I'm going to read the news. Please. Uh, the first item, Kev's Green Hornet News. Yes! I, I, I figured I didn't have to like doll up the headline. No way. Given that, uh, that you were going to... What do you hear news. about this new project? I hear that... Hot the, new project. I hear that the, uh, the, the Yoga Hoses filmmakers teamed up with kids producer Wild Brain. They led with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they're going to leave with the Yoga Hoses. We're fucked. 
<laughs> no, I led with yoga hoses. Just that's just Thank tickle you. me. Thank yes. you. Uh, to, uh, to develop uh, with kids producer Wild Brain to develop a new series based on Green Hornet, yes. the classic superhero franchise. This is true. Smith has long been a fan of the Green Hornet. In 2004, also he true. was hired to write a feature film based on the character from Miramax. Yeah. That project never materialized. Um, but filmmaker th- got scared. Did they? Yeah, very much so. True story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day I was like, the fuck, man? Now, it came after a meeting. I was in a meeting at Miramax in Los Angeles um, with the great person that ran uh, there. They were trying to like start up marketing division not marketing they were always good at marketing like merchandise like mm. bringing in product placement corporate sponsors shit like that so you know you're doing the green hornet guess what mm. every car company is like we want to be the black beauty so she set up these meetings one day where i met with the toy companies i met with the car companies i met with uh, the united states air force or navy the one that has a hornet jet so there was like a military man who came and explained to me all the capabilities of the Hornet jet and we can shoot with it anytime we want. And we were like, but ours is a green horn. And he's like, we can paint it. Yeah. And also ours is a car. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a jet. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know if you know this story, but you know, black beauty, it's a car. Um, and I got, I remember at the end of the day, I was like, I haven't written a fucking word. There's no script. And we're having meetings about toys and shit. I was like, this don't feel right to me. Um, I, and, and so I spoke to the then chairman of Miramax, who shall remain, he who shall not be named. Um, he's in jail somewhere. Voldemort. Voldemort himself. And I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, thank you for the job, but like, I don't think I have the chops to, to make this movie. I certainly don't want to direct. I don't want to spend $75 million on something that wasn't my idea. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, it's, if I'm ever going to spend that much money, I hope it's on something i come up with because then at least i could stand behind that but like i don't think i'm the guy and then he suggested just write it and i was like all right and then i wrote it and handed it in and at one point um john woo Mm -hmm. was gonna do it which was kind of exciting um much better choice for director if i do say so my damn self um and then the uh the weinsteins left miramax to create the weinstein company Mm -hmm. Guys, a lot of use of the W word, man. It's <laughs> fucking, it's a little harsh on a Thursday night, you know. But it's 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 history. You got to it use is. the word. It's a little it's piece of history. Um, so uh, that script was left behind mm-hmm. at uh, at Disney, which owned Miramax at that point. Um, over at uh, Dynamite Comics, they wanted to do an adaptation, uh, and so they got the script from the Trendle estate disney gave permission to say go ahead but i couldn't get paid to do it to for the comic book he was like he got paid already i was like that's fair uh and then uh, phil hester broke down my script and jonathan loud did a gorgeous fucking run on the book and i would come in and read dialogue because my script was like real old and shit um and that i thought was it i was like that's you know that it's then seth rogan made the movie um now there's a new movie that's coming sooner or later at universal so i thought that was you know i did the book with ralph batman the green hornet but that was you know the 60s one that was definitely ralph driven project so i really thought that you know i'd cross paths with green hornet and the cato uh a, a team for the last time and you know professionally and yet the good folks at wild brain reached out to me and they're like we're gonna do like a cartoon and i was like 
it so happens that I have some cartoon experience now. <laughs> Funny how the world has led me. My God, right and I had here. such a good time doing Masters of the Universe. I was like, I can get my head around this. So I've seen like the designs. Uh, they didn't release any of the imagery yet, and it is, it's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's very California. Mm. Um, California sunset. Is it period? This book. It is quasi period. Yeah, I, I can say it's quasi uh, period. We're going for a, well, naturally being a big fucking fan. Uh, there's one cartoon that I want to emulate, and that's Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have as many cool ass rogues, uh, but that's still for me the gold bar, you know, the gold bar, the high bar, whatever, gold, gold standard, standard. That's thank you, um, of uh, of of storytelling, mm. uh, or animated storytelling, superhero animated storytelling, whatever you want to call it. Some people will be like Green Hornet's not a superhero. I understand. Um, so I, I'm technically neither is Batman. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Just a hero, actually, and actually like. They're both vigilantes, mm -hmm. but one pretends he's a criminal, whereas the other is just thought to be a wrongly a criminal, which is so weird. It's always weird when they're like the Batman friend or foe. It's like, the fuck do you mean? <laughs> How much more good can he do before you're like friend? Clearly friend. Oh, unless you talk to those kids who were at the, uh, the, the Wayne Manor Christmas party. I was like, man, remember that SNL oh, sketch? Oh, the SNL sketch? Man, Batman you guys talking about Batman? Leg. You guys talking about Batman? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he hit my cousin in the yeah. face so hard. He broke my nose. Well, <laughs> clearly you were doing something wrong. No, I wasn't. I was just walking across the street. Uh, Melissa Villasenor at the end, she's like, you talking about the Batman? <laughs> she's like, my cousin tell me the Joker's going to cut off his wiener. <laughs> and Bruce Wayne's like, what? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, wait, what were we talking about? Uh, friend or foe friend or foe yes green hornet is the guy that pretends to be the bad guy mm. he's like i'm a gangster with a mask um and so he takes down criminals from the inside and stuff uh so yeah i, I don't know if I, mm. I, yeah. so you're gonna do that whole like i guess it's not a superhero right but he's a hero yeah he's a hero uh, but like that if it's modeled after batman the animated series which was oh we have helicopters and and like fat fat ass cars. They had blimps as well. But blimps and there's no cell phones yeah. and like the weird. We're kind of existing in this weird mishmash of noir tropes. That could be cool. It's uh, a, it's primarily aimed at kids, whereas you've worked on Masters of the Universe with me. Mm -hmm. That didn't never. I mean, it works for kids, but we weren't. That wasn't the aim. That wasn't the audience we were recording, and that wasn't. Right. But I think that, you know, I, I've, I've been doing a re really deep dive into both The Clone Wars mm -hmm. and I've been rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender, oh. which, you know, both of which, you we're know, supposedly are made for kids. Supposedly made for kids and still totally legitimate for kids. Like it does a bunch of shit that feels very kid centric. But the themes and the plot and the character moves beneath it are they're just good story mm. and it doesn't seem as if good story has an age requirement or age limit good point you know and so that's what i responded to about batman the animated series just good totally. story after good story like you could be 10 years old and watch batman the animated series and get everything you wanted from it and, and you could be fucking 30, 30. Yeah. and just like i got everything i wanted from this because i got fucking you know heart of ice that's the key that's the model right there and i you know technically they were courting 8 to 12. Mm. Like, that's the 
I think that was the target for Batman the Animated Series. I don't think with Masters, we didn't target 8 to 12 mm -hmm. at all. We actually just did the next episode of the show. Um, but Hornet is, is very much in 8 to 12. So I'm in a... a um, it feels like Batman the Animated Series, for many reasons, is the obvious role model. Mm -hmm. Except, you know, we're not going to be as dark. Like, they had... Darkness was their co-star. <laughs> you know, ours is like Eternal Sunset. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There was um, this... Um, I think DC... DC Nation, maybe? They had a bunch of animated shorts. I want to say like five or ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. And there was one amazing one. I think it was directed by a guy named Robert Valley, Valet, which was Wonder Woman. And it was like Wonder Woman, like Miami Vice style in a weird way. Ooh. And so like she drove this big-ass muscle car instead of an invisible jet, but it was invisible because it's super cool. Right. But it was that kind of eternal sunset. Like everything was reds and yellows and browns. And she was like screaming up That's on the beach. The she stepped out with like big ass platform shoes. And like, this is gorgeous. Yeah. This is like, and, and to get to play like Hawaii Five-0 or like Rockford Files, but with Black Beauty and Green Hornet and Kato, you're going to have so much fun. I know, right? I remember that DC Nation thing they did. They did a Green Arrow short. Mm-hmm with onomatopoeia bots <laughs> where he was fighting onomatopoeia bots and then at the end they beat the last one and onomatopoeia dropped out it's a character like that i created that was in this cartoon it was one of the most rewarding moments of my entire <laughs> career because i didn't know it was coming nobody said hey they're going to use that character and shit i was like oh they did it for me <laughs> um so yes green hornet and kato man Coming at some point. Give me good times. I'll give you more details uh, when I know more. But thank you to the good folks at Wild Brain for thinking of me. They also have the Peanuts. They used to be DHX. Remember DHX? Oh, yeah. That's they right. They changed their name to Wild Brain. And didn't they also do Inspector Gadget like back in the day? Cal, 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 how do you pronounce it? Cal, Caillou. 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 Uh, they also own one of my favorite franchises in the world, the Degrassi franchise. Oh. Now you see my long, my long play here. <laughs> now you see the long con going on. I'll give you, I'll give you a Green Hornet. You got to give me something in return. I may never ask you for a favor, but if I do, do you think though there's me. something innately wrong about that? Me like willing to take over or trying to like even thinking of is there something sacrilegious about an American talking about taking over Degrassi? You know what I'm saying? Shouldn't that be in the hands of a Canadian? I mean, the, the, the way to do it would be to partner with a Canadian, to find a good Canuck, it's cover, for when the, uh, the, the PC police show up. <laughs> well, I can't do it now that you literally <laughs> called it for what it is. Get one of them Canadian beards, man. <laughs> you know, just say they're working, but yeah. hey, put them in a closet. Dab a little maple syrup behind his ears and <laughs> send them out to chum the waters. With. <laughs> Go be extra Canadian. <laughs> now I'm really not getting the job. Fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, they own that as well. So wonderful company, man. And, and it was real nice that they were like, yeah, come on, play again. So Very it'll be cool. fun, man. It's, you know, it, as a big Batman, the animated series fan, it's nice to be able to. And you can of, do the thing that the Green Hornet never really did, which is give him the rogues gallery. Yes. Like, that's what I said. All of that shit. That's what I said. I was like, oh my God. Like, and of course. Once we find a home, then they're like, here's all the money and stuff to make the show. 
that's when I start calling all my fucking friends and be like, write a script, write a script, write a script. <laughs> Come here, let's make up some bad guys. Yes, exactly, man. <laughs> but then be smarter than those fucking old timers who would make up cool characters and not get any money for them. <laughs> be one of those cats who's like, oh, I'll make up a fucking character. Yes. Here's my character payment. I'll tell you what, I'm not even going to pay you. I'm just going to steal that fucking Cinderella idea that you just put out there for the fucking world. I'm going to do that. It's going to be my whole Green Hornet's pitch. They're going to be like, this sounds more like Cinderella. I was like, it is, but that's only because it's such a good idea and nobody's doing it yet. We got to do it fast. We're going to just shave the serial numbers off this and it's ours. <laughs> so Green Hornet, man. Uh, let's roll, Kato. As they used to say on the show. Is that going to be the ad campaign? Let's roll, Cato. I don't know. Like, Do you really want to use like the ad campaign from the 60s for 8 to 12-year-old audience in 2021, 22? They'd be like, what's the reference? Yeah, what does that mean? I don't understand these words. I mean, I hate to be this guy, but didn't they say like uh, during September 11th, weren't they like, let's roll or something like that? I believe they did. I think those were the words. But those said. were the good guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, I'm not making any comparisons here, but... Green Hornet is a good guy. A good guy, but it just feels like short answer, Mark. I'm, I'm going to lose this job based on this conversation. <laughs> the short answer, Mark, is no. I doubt that will be the market yeah, campaign. Tomorrow's news. Wow, <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> Comes then they goes. Who's the guy uh, who got who was in the the Trump spokesman for like fucking a week? <laughs> oh yeah, Scaramucci. It's like it's, I get scaremoochied out of this fucking Green Hornet It became kid. its own uh, in sort of modicum of time. Like, uh, wh how many Scaramoochies has this press <laughs> yeah. secretary left? He didn't even make it a quarter Scaramoochie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's my news. That's your news. And that's the show. Good night, everybody. No, everybody. we have a lot more news that doesn't involve me. We I have assume. much more news. What's next? Uh, the Emmy nominations came <coughs> out this past week. Did you get any? Um, I got none. Were you working on anything that was up for something? Um, I worked on the second season of Carnival Row, the first season of which was nominated for Best Title Sequence and Best Theme Song. Huh. Yes. A lot which... of categories in these Emmys. Who knew? Whoo! Um, what about Picard? Did they get nominated for anything? Um, no. They mounted a very aggressive uh, for your consideration campaign. And they didn't? They, they didn't did even get him one? They didn't get him one. The fuck? Yeah. Um, all right, who did get nominated? Let me guess. Uh -huh. Better be fucking Watchmen. Watchmen. Amen. Then Watchmen. there's still some justice in this sick old world. And when I say sick, I mean literally. There's a fucking virus going around. I don't know if you read the news. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's still happening. It's a sick old world. Um, yeah, it got the single most nominations of any television show. Oh, that fucking rocks. It is so unbelievably good. I just rewatched this morning the, uh, you know, fucking Dr. Manhattan gets captured episode. Where he's like, watch the eggs. It's such a clever moment because he's literally saying it to her, but he's saying it to the audience. Watch the eggs. Watch like, the oh, eggs. So well written. Yeah. I feel like I need They were to... smart to walk away. Fuck trying to top that. Yeah. I mean, I did see a quote from Damon, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, because he's doing a bunch of press rounds because it gets, you know, nominated. What's the so quote? What's the quote? Like, the ah, quote maybe is... I got a good idea. No, the quote is, uh, I always imagined this continuing, but, you know, and would I like to have done it? Sure, but the thing about this process was I loved it because of the people I was doing it with. And they have all since scattered to the winds. It's, there's, there's no way to bring this band back together. And without them, I can't imagine doing this again. Hmm. But I would absolutely love to see what somebody else does with this universe in the same way that I picked it up and fashioned something interesting from it. I would love it if somebody else down the road picks up 
this book or this show and find something new in it. I mean, technically, they could true detective this shit, right? Where they get some other creative team, but like, that's a high fucking bar to clear. It really is. I mean, you know? God damn it, that's some perfect fucking television. And it's based on some bullshit that years ago <laughs> you get beat up for liking. People dismiss you for liking. Now it's so fucking ensconced in the culture. It's probably going to walk away with a bunch of Emmys. I hope it gets them all. Yeah, it was nominated for 26 nominations across 19 categories, including Outstanding Limited Series, Outstanding Writing for Limited Series, um, and nods for Jeremy Irons, Regina King, and and I think Louis Gossett Jr., Yaya, Abdul-Mateen II, and uh, Jovan Adepo. What about Gene Smart? Gene Smart got Best uh, Supporting Actress. Did she? Good, because she was fucking wonderful in it. She's great. One of my favorite moments of, uh, God, was that last year already? When did that end? Right before 2019? That ended, uh, yeah, God, tail end of 2019. Right before the year turned. <sighs> um, In other words, 48 years ago. When she's, the, yeah, fucking <laughs> it was 75 years ago. It's been 83 years. Um, the, uh, it, the, it's still one of my favorite moments, and it is when she's in the final episode, she's back on her chair. And he's like, Miss Giuseppe, Miss Giuseppe, what is it? Miss Giuseppe, Giuseppechik. Yeah. He's like, what a, what a pleasant surprise. <laughs> oh, God, that was so fucking good. It delivered on every level, not just like, holy shit, I love the Watchmen. Um, it just delivered. Even if it wasn't the Watchmen, that fucker would have worked. Yeah. I mean, the, the trick of it is that, you know, and, and Damon talked about this a lot, including on the podcast that, that I recorded with him, is that his way into it was finding what what was the thing plaguing America at the time, you know. And when when Alan Moore first wrote it, it was kind of totalitarian governments, and it was Margaret Thatcher, and it was, you know, it was it was this whole sense of conspiracies and overriding political shenanigans. <clears throat> and for Damon, it was race in America. Like that's 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 the issue that if we're not talking about, we should be talking about. And so it's finding that next thing that will be both harmonious with those two previous incarnations, but then its own, its own special, thing. perfect gem of a formula to follow. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if Damon knows what that is, but some brilliant-ass person will Ooh. be like, oh. They better make sure it's fucking brilliant before they step up to that plate yeah. again. I mean, it's a bold game to be like, you know the Watchmen? We're doing a sequel. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and they fucking did it. They knocked it out the park special fuck yeah give him give him all the awards who else um the mandalorian oh this was exciting too this man exciting. it got like best drama or something right best drama it's fucking phenomenal and outstanding show is fucking amazing outstanding guest actor for giancarlo esposito for really yeah that's pretty dope man yeah. i mean he was in like what two episodes yeah he's in but i guess like, that's a guest he's in it for like 15 minutes he was great and memorable very much so um, and of course, an outstanding visual effects category. Wait, is he the only acting one? Um, I believe he is. Let me double check. They didn't give one to Pedro. No, I don't think they did. I mean, technically, it's like how much of how much of it was Pedro? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's Pedro's voice. Don't get me wrong, but like, I read that sometimes you know they were shooting without him, and some dude just wearing a suit, right? Yeah. So, and that's no big secret. I think that's part. No, yeah, of it. it's out there. It's out so there. It's, so I guess it would be tough to. I mean, outstanding voice performance by an actor, kind of. Um, but yeah. So and and Stranger Things. Also. And yet, at the same time, Taika Waititi got nominated for IG 
11. Yeah. So technically, Pedro could have been fucking nominated. <laughs> um, how weird is that? Crazy weird. But honestly, I got no problem with it. That performance is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's really touching. Like when he fucking comes back and he's like, I am also a nurse. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's a great show. How many nominations? Um, Mandalorian Mando. <laughs> Let me see. Blah, 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 Makes me want to watch that show again. Baby Yoda get a nomination? Um, well, outstanding visual effects. So yeah, technically that qualifies. Um, thirteen categories. So thirteen nominations. It's beautiful. Mando got. Um, Good Stranger day. Things Good got day, man. That's what, awesome. What we do in the shadows. Outstanding comedy series and the Good Place, which My is kid awesome. Loves what we do in the shadows. It's it's so much fun. You watch it? Too? Yeah. I should I should kick you it. Should. I think you dig it. Um, let's see. Regina King, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Um, for Westworld, for Outstanding Supporting Actor, Bradley Whitford for The Handmaid's Tale, Gene Smart, Giancarlo Esposito, and Louis Gossett Jr. He deserves it. He's fantastic in that show. He was really, really great. Yeah. Um, and what also, about the score? Um, I didn't drill. Do they do shit deep. like that? They do. It's that fucking I, score. I mean, number one, if they win, they got to get up on stage and be like, thank you, John Carpenter. Yeah. Because it sounds exactly I like think, the score to think, Halloween. Yeah, Trent, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did get nominated for the Watchmen score. As did, I think, Ludwig Goransson for um, The Mandalorian. Ooh. What else we got? In the, in is the that news. all the Emmy news? That's all the Emmy news. Um, Quibi got 10 nominations. <laughs> just just saying. It turns out. Know a lot about Quibi now. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Quibi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Have you thought about it? Well, think about it again. You better think about it when Slugfest comes out. You'll be missing out. <laughs> um, elsewhere in the news front, did you watch any of The Witcher on uh, Netflix? I did not. Oh my God! The photo went right the fuck up. Yeah, Ooh. there he is wearing uh, wearing fucking uh, her wig from Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, that's Superman, right? Henry that Cavill. Is Henry Cavill doing his best uh, gravelly Superman voice. Um, does he? Is that what the character is? He's like, I'm the Witcher. He talks like a man in his Gerald of Rivia. I mean, <laughs> look, he was a lovely Superman, but like, I loved him in the Tudors. Like, he was Henry's like good friend with a conscience, and he was so fucking charming and handsome and fucking sexy and shit i could see why they were like come over here and take your shirt off and be superman but is his performance how is his performance in this it uh it it grow it growed on me it grew on me <laughs> i started I like, like the, i like the way you said it better first it time grew it grew on, on me. me that could go on a shirt right there <laughs> it growed on that me like our fucking thumbs up thumbs down <laughs> it growed on me <laughs> what's what's the down version uh i i, I don't know it, it growed on me. I threw it out. Nice. I mean, it's very bridge and tunnel, but I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> You're from back east too, man. I threw it out. Yeah, a I couple, it two, out. three times I watched it, but I don't fucking know. I threw it out. I threw it away. Um, it it grew. <laughs> it grew. What was it? It growed on me. It growed on me. Yeah, kid, it growed on me. No, oh, fuck, that's high praise. <laughs> it put, you can see that put on a newspaper ad, like you know. In quotes, it growed on me, it Mark Bernard. It's not bad, kid. It growed on me, Mark <laughs> Bernard. Hundred percent rotten tomatoes. Um, 
Yeah, like it, it starts out very one note, very like, oh, he's doing like fucking medieval times Batman. Right. Um, but over over the course of the, the eight episodes, like there's a humor that gets shot through that character, which I wasn't expecting, which makes it really fun to watch. Um, and it's bonkers, batshit crazy. Like there's all kinds of magic. What's he doing? Like killing witches? And... Yeah, it's like, you know. Is he a witch or is he killing witches? He's kind of a witch. There's a whole like um like he's maybe descended from elves who turned away from humans but then he was somehow an outcast even among the magic users and so weird as much as i love game of thrones i'm like this doesn't interest me you know it's i I sort of when i started watching i'm like i don't know if i need to learn the lore and the and the rules of an entirely new fantasy world but after (laughs) a while i just kind of you went for it i went for it um it seems well received i've not seen anything bad about it no good it did incredibly well um when it launched on on netflix and it already was picked up for a second season, and now they just picked it up for a prequel se- series. Because they're in the Witcher business. Will years. he be in that as well? Um, unclear, but because I don't know how long Witchers live for. But it's set in an elven world 1,200 years before the world of the Witcher. Oh, so, so probably not him. Probably not him. So he ain't going to earn any more of that sweet Witcher money. No, there's nobody's tossing a coin to this Witcher. <laughs> But he gets another season. He'll get, yeah. And then it's Netflix. He'll probably get another, and then he's done. He'll be told, yeah. He'll go three. Three and, three and out. Because that's how Netflix like, Unless you're Stranger Things. Then Which, they're like, keep going. That's fine. Cha-ching, 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 <laughs> cha-ching. Um, I particularly liked, I mean, Tudors was your way in for Henry Cavill. I was a man from uncle. Yeah, but that's even after Superman. So exactly. you weren't in after Man of Steel still? You were like, eh. I was like, you know, he's not bad in Man of Steel at all. I mean, it's tough to, Chris Reeve is, we grew up with Chris Reeve. Nobody's like, please, let's not turn this into a battle of fucking Superman. If you like who you like, that's great. I think Henry Cavill's wonderful too. But we grew up with Christopher Reeve. Christopher yeah. Reeve was literally our Superman. And he did something with that part it was magical what he was able to pull off he made you think he was two completely different fucking actors yeah from clark kent to fucking superman just in his posture just in his delivery for the first time the glasses make sense yeah good oh my god <laughs> and the only time that should have been the tagline not like you will believe a man can fly should have been for the first time the glasses make sense <laughs> They might have made a few bucks yeah. on that movie. My glasses, they growed on me. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Bernard. <laughs> this episode of Fat Man Beyond is brought to you by Audible Original, The Sandman. Hey, this is Mark, you know, of Mark and Kev fame. Well, actually, of Kev fame and just hanger on guy. That's me. Um, we have talked in the past about The Sandman, how, at the very least for me, it is a seminal piece of comic book work. It, uh... Back in the day when I first read it, it was one of the things that helped me decide kind of uh, not even so much to decide, just pry open what my future was going to be for me and how my future was going to involve stories and making them up and uh, and hopefully people enjoying those stories that I made up nearly as much as I enjoyed reading Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. Um, but now you can ingest the Sandman in a whole new way, a way not available to me back in the halcyon days of the 1980s, 90s, and 2000s, um, when something as cool and lovely and wonderful as Audible Originals' interpretation of the Sandman. I mean, it is this lush, crazy audio drama, and it's, it, you know, follow Morpheus the Dream Lord. You know who's playing Morpheus, guys? James McAvoy. You know, and 
Neil Gaiman does the narrations. You get to hear his awesome plummy voice, and it's great. But the powerhouse cast, man, Riz Ahmed, Kat Dennings, Taron Egerton, Samantha Morton, B.B. Newworth, Andy Serkis, all of them just killing it. I mean, you haven't lived until you've heard Taron Egerton's John Constantine. Um, well, I'm sure you've lived, but it's still pretty cool. Anyway, go to audible.com slash Sandman, download it. It's like a 10-hour chunk, and I think that's just the first of lots. Um... And, uh, and you won't regret the time. I mean, it, 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 it would go great with a commute if we still had commutes. Instead, I feel like it's, uh, it is like Saturday afternoon with, uh, with a glass of sangria, just kind of trying to while away the day, listening to one of the greatest stories ever told um, by one of my favorite comic book writers brought to life in a way never before possible. So yes, audible.com slash the Sandman. Get in there download it swear you will not regret the time spent in the land of dreams um but yeah man from uncle was my jam like, i i still haven't seen that Is i think you'd really like ralph liked it too i think yeah like it i think for somebody who's that's who's, what i might do tonight you know i mean this is the last week of my 40s i never thought i'd say this but maybe i'll get high and watch that movie <laughs> is it or is it another movie you're gonna maybe watch and then ultimately not true that's true is this my jurassic world i was lamenting before the show that all i wanted to do today was watch jurassic world and i somehow couldn't get that accomplished and i was made fun of for my very first world problem i can't get it done i just tried so hard i just can't get people like have you seen the death toll i'm like i look i understand of course but it's about 150,000 people are dead in america but but i I really wanted to watch jurassic world My parties are way out of whack, but still, <laughs> it's my week, damn it. Thank God we did that off air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's right out there now. Um, In addition to Slugfest, which may or may not be announced by Quibi. Yeah, I could get dropped. <laughs> I, I maybe scare did myself out of that job <laughs> as well. Just recorded voiceover <laughs> when it's gone. It's like, why did you talk about this? I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was it's fucking really good, high. dude. It's good. Like. I'm telling you, I, I'm going to, I can't say it on there. I'm going to give you a link and you're going to be like, who the fuck, <laughs> what kind of mad genius decided to do this? The clone saga, dude, eight That's- minutes on the clone saga with actors reenacting it. And you know what they said? Mm-hmm. They didn't like, you know, it was supposed to be two month storyline. Mm-hmm. And the sales were so huge on the clone saga. That they kept coming into the office, be like, Keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. So the clone saga went on for two and a half years. Oh my God. But did you know it was predicated on an old story? Hmm. They did the clone like years ago in the 70s. I think Jerry Conway might have created the the clone. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not Jerry Conway. But they did a Spider-Man story that introduced a clone of Peter, and his name was Ben Riley. So they just for the clone saga, they're like. And it wasn't meant to be a saga. It was meant to be like for the clone storyline. For, for the clone arc. Yeah, like three issues. They were bringing him back to be like, oh, that'd be fucking weird, right? And this, you know, they were looking for anything in the wake of, of Death of Superman. They were like, we need something huge. And this wasn't meant to be that, but it became fucking huge and then they got trapped by it and then everyone started hating it so much <laughs> and then they talked to the writers and the writers admit at the end they're like i still don't know how we ended it they, they weren't quite sure it's oh it's wonderful all right back to the news back to the news um you remember the beginning of the quarantine 
when uh, when Trolls World Tour um, made all the money, all the fucking money in, in on VOD, and, and then was, at the same time theaters were like, "This means war yes. with Universal." With particularly Universal. AMC was particularly mad. AMC was particularly chuffed at this development. Am I setting you up properly? Very nicely done. Thank you. Uh, you'd think it wasn't our first show. <laughs> Uh, AMC was uh, was uh, was very put out by this move, and there was litigation, and they like went to court over it or whatever court. They were talking about like days. this is it; we're never going to show another Universal movie, right? Um, They're probably sticking to their guns, right? No. What? Huh? <laughs> you mean they changed course? They they relented, given that a AMC is like now kind of pulling themselves out of bankruptcy and reconfiguring their debt because yeah they can't they can't afford to say no to anybody can't afford to say no to nobody from particularly now. people that are like here's the next Jurassic and this time it's Jurassic World Five Fast Ten <laughs> we're combining the two franchises pretty much we're gonna drive a fucking Corvette up a dinosaur's ass Jurassic Fury. <laughs> Uh, that would be great. Can we do that? What is it? I would like to see Jurassic Furious where they drive a Corvette up a Jurassic ass. Furious. That is a good name. That's not bad. Jurassic man. Furious. <laughs> anyway. See, what? It's more of that Cinderella shit. You're giving away good ideas. Oh, that's you could literally cool. walk into Universal and pitch that and somebody might write you a cheap check. They're like, <laughs> good idea. Move along. It's yeah, RIP. Basically, we'll sign off on your valet parking. Thanks for stopping by. Jura for telling us how we can just mash up the two franchises we already own. But still, Jurassic Furious is kind of brilliant. I would watch it. I, I look, fuck that. I would watch it. I've never seen a fast movie. <gasps> what? Oh my god! Did I say that out loud? Yeah, I've still never seen any of the Fast and the Furious oh, movies. Dude, everybody says that Andrew is going. Oh, you're missing out. Everybody says that to me. Everybody, says, even my friend Malcolm was like, he's like, I would never steer you wrong. He's going. You like comic book movies? You have to like this. He's going. This is just comic book movies with cars, dude. Fast Five is the Avengers two years before the Avengers came out. It legit is. It's, hey, so you knew, you've seen all these other movies and you've seen all these other characters and hey, here's this guy from the, the Japanese version. And he's just two So that means I gotta watch a bunch of them before that. Well, you'd, you'd start with one and then you'd move your way up to like... Well, the problem is I never started with one in the first place because it didn't really draw my attention. But you can now. And I also hear that like one doesn't even come close to what it became. No, one one is one is X-Men to Dark Phoenix. Like one is kind of a superhero movie, but it's just this kind of like bromance between these two guys. One's a cop, one's a criminal, and they're going for it. By the time you get to nine, when they're almost in outer space, you're like, I don't know how we got from there to here, but I kind of enjoyed the ride. Really? And so like nine and one are almost a different species the same way. They're like Dark Phoenix and the original X-Men are like I guess the titles are similar, but I don't recognize any of these people. They're doing shit that doesn't make sense, but okay. I will say this. Yes. If if you weren't the busiest person in show business, I would say that there's probably a podcast in Kev Watches Fast and the Furious. It's only 10 episodes long. Not even. Nine. You think I would be into it that much? I, I, I think for podcast's sake, I think you would be. Oh, so there's a chance that like I might watch and be like, I knew it. This sucks. <laughs> totally. Or you're saying the podcast would be be like, I fucking can't believe that Dom felt that way. Like, I, I think by by the time you get to Fast Five and Fast Six, you will be all about hashtag family, um, in a way that you don't think you would have been in the first one. Is that right? Yeah. Did you like Point Break? 
the Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze point break. Yes, naturally. Fast and the Furious is the exact same movie to the point that Paul Walker speaks like Keanu Reeves for the entire movie. It's the exact same movie as Point Break, only they're in cars instead of on surfboards. And then it gets. So who's the bad guy? Uh, Vin Diesel. But Vin I Diesel. thought they're friends, family, hashtag family. In the same way that, that Patrick Swayze is the bad guy of Point Break. He is the bad guy. That's right. But you love him because he's fucking Patrick Swayze. I didn't. I, look, I, yeah, I mean, look, I like Patrick Swayze, but fucking Bodie was, he was bad news. He killed people. He's a bank robber. Yeah. Just because he surfed and he had good head of hair. Like. <laughs> Johnny Utah is the hero. Never once was I conflicted. Oh, he's totally the hero. Yeah. And Paul Walker's totally the hero of this movie. Except that you also really like the bad guy. So they're friends? Um, well, no. The good guy. It sounds like Batman and Joker being friends. It's it's 21 Jump Street, dude. It's like I'm going undercover in this gang of bad dudes. So who's undercover? Paul Walker. And he, does, does Vin Diesel know that he's undercover? No, that's the big betrayal by the end of the movie. By the end Spoilers. of which movie? The first movie. He discovers, like, you're a cop? It's like, yeah, but I'm trying to save your life, Dom. And then he went away. He wasn't in a movie or two. Yeah, he, he vanishes because reasons. And so Paul Walker um, isn't even in two. I don't Paul Walker's of, in two, Paul Walker's which in takes two place in Miami for whatever right. reason. Ava, but he's Ava not Ava in Mendes. three. That's Tokyo Drift. And then three is all in Tokyo and nobody's in it. Yeah, Lucas So they're Black just using the, the name. Yeah. But Lucas Black comes back later on. Yeah, yes. everybody kind of. Everybody kind of comes back. By the episode five everybody's back it's yeah crazy and then gal gadot gets introduced and this other, and like it just becomes like everybody you've ever seen in a movie showing up to do one last job and then the rock shows up as like you're kind of new bad guy but not really because he's the rock and he's never gonna really be a villain and he wasn't in it from the beginning no he's the new blood they inject yeah that's like fast seven what did fast he do eight. fate of the furious he what did he do? He he's, fingered a t- torpedo. He does, yeah. He's it's in the trailer, so I'm not giving much away. But he's he's, he's riding on they're on ice in this frozen lake up in fucking I don't know Canada slash Russia, and uh, and they're on this this ATV that's riding on the on the ice, and somebody shoots a torpedo. Charlie Theron is the bad guy in a nuclear submarine. Shoots a torpedo to hit this a this this you know whatever SUV, and so then the rocks like. Just hold on. Keep it going straight. And he leans out of the car. I'm off the camera. He leans out of the car. <laughs> and he's like, he just puts a hand on the torpedo and then just like pushes it into a different course and it blows up another fucking bad guy car. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, GI, it's the G.I. Joe you never thought you were ever going to get. And they spent $200 million on each one of these. Really? It's bananas. And then I Kurt s- Russell shows up. Yeah, he's just in. He just shows up Jason and does Statham stuff. Is in there like it's kind of what you wish the Expendables was. Yeah, but was not. And also, crazy gay. The like, whole thing is because Dom Toretto and Paul Walker's whatever his name is, I can't even remember because he's so like vanilla, are in love for most of these movies together. And there's one movie when like, oh man, Paul Walker's their girlfriend, Dom's sister is pregnant, and they're like, how did this happen? We're all wondering the same thing <laughs> <laughs> because those two dudes are staring off at a lot of sunsets together going, I love you, Dom. It's like, yeah, I know. So one last job and we can ride off into the sunset. Yeah, baby. Well, then let's do it. And then they hit a big fucking Brazilian like, we got to win more cars. I guess there's all these booty girls. Do we care? No, never. Still. How can you be on the fence, dude? Still not sold. Still, I don't know what my problem is. Um, uh, I feel like what we was should... that other movie with uh, Henry Cavill? 
Man from Uncle. Which one should I watch? Well, listen. If you if you've only got two and a half hours, yeah, watch Man from Uncle. Okay. If you're ready to change your life, strap <laughs> into Fast and Furious because there's nine of those. That's eight of true. those. Nine because you got to then got to watch Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Um. All right. Which is amazing. Did you ever read that New York Times article where they were going behind the scenes in Hobbs and Shaw? Mm. And it was basically uh, contractually required that neither uh, um, Dwayne Johnson or Jason Statham had more or less time than each other on screen. Like literally to the minute, they had to share the exact same amount of screen time to the point where dialogue was parsed out to make sure they each had the same number of lines and scenes. Because nobody could win a scene. There's always got to be a snappy comeback. From, like, it was literally script by lawyer. Why? Egos. Wow. Yeah. Like, if we're going to do this, then I'm not the second banana to that guy. So, like, oh. Jason Statham thinks he's as big as The Rock, is he? If I'm not paying attention, Rock seems like he's the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. But, you know, they wanted both of them. And the way to get both of them was, all right fuck it, we will litigate the script to within an inch of its life. And it's still crazy fun. Um, and I think that's probably just because of the goodwill of The Rock. Right. But it's insane that that's how you make a movie. That is kind of nuts. Um, all of that said, yeah. Universal and AMC. Um, <laughs> that's right, we were telling the story. <laughs> I thought we began our fast podcast series where you're trying to convince me to watch the movie. I'm like, it's not working. I know. Like that's the whole thing is like I try to convince you for ten episodes to watch <laughs> yeah. the movie and you watch like, the first no. one. It's like, like a modern day green eggs and ham. <laughs> <laughs> I will not have it. I will not watch Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> I will not embark, Mark. I will I will not watch these movies fast. <laughs> you can sit up and kiss my ass. We got kids watching the show. Do man. we though? Yeah, it's like four a.m. in England. <laughs> <laughs> and those kids it's are morning time. They're getting up for. They have school over there still. <laughs> they probably do because they, figured out how to <laughs> they do don't have it shit. here. Mm. Did they shut down? They mm. shut down, but yeah. What again? Like, UK did. Yeah, no, they figured it out, and so you know, Germany. Sometimes back it feels like we're doing a, this show in a bunker. In America. What's happening out there? Hiding, yeah, like, is there anybody out there? Anybody at all? Do we have a UK correspondent? What's that? No? <laughs> um, um, so all right. The upshot of the Universal AMC battle is? Is that traditionally the window between theatrical release and uh, home video release. Four weeks or so? Um, it had been um, around 90 days, 85 days. Yeah, way back in the day, day, sure. You know, now, at least between AMC and Universal, it's 17 days. It's three weekends. So it's almost day and date. Almost day and 17 date. 17 days away from a day and date. So it's, you know, if... So if, if you've ever had a day and date movie come out, you don't have to feel bad anymore. No, not so much. Everything's coming out day and date practically. Yeah. How is this playing with other studios, Mark? Um, they are all petrified and... I heard scared. Disney's pissed. Disney's like, fuck you. We're not, like, they didn't say this, but they were like... They said Mickey Mouse over there. Yeah. Fuck you! Fuck you! This is bullshit. <laughs> they, uh, their point is like, we, we can get a lot more than 17 days out of the fucking shit we make. Mm -hmm. So don't throw us into your fucking stew. Right. 17 day stew. So, uh, yeah, I hear there, I read somewhere online. Not like I hear from insiders. I read in another article online that Disney is, they weren't pleased with it. I mean, none of the other distributors have signed on to this insane pact. So right. at this moment, it's just universal and just AMC. 
But there's a world in which, you know, next year, next April, when Fast 9 is supposed to come out, like, hey, it was out on April 3rd. I could also wait till April 20th and watch it at home. And what that will ultimately do to the theatrical experience from an economic perspective. I mean, the, the AMC is getting a, a slice yeah. of the, the premium VOD rentals because that was the only way they could make that make sense for them. But, like, that's hundreds of millions of dollars you're probably you're leaving, leaving on the, on the table. table yeah to, i could see that to, i to understand get a release and it's not so, the business i choose to be in but i understand it and i i you know i understand why universal did what they did yeah it's just everybody trying to figure out how to fucking keep the lights on particularly now yeah i mean it's a storm they're gonna have to weather and it, we're at the very least a year away from anybody feeling comfortable to show up in a theater on mass in the way they would like you to for a giant ass fucking movie like Jurassic World 3. Yeah. Like, listen, we can't have theaters filled 20, 25, 30% in order and, for us to make, make our that nut. kind of bank. Yeah. But if we can, you know, that first weekend, third weekend, charge people 30 bucks to watch it at home, all right. You know, like, we're not going to make everything we wanted to make. We're making something. The, during the pandemic in 1918, they, there wasn't a movie business yet, was there? Um, no, it was very Nickelodeon based and live shows, theater and yeah, whatnot. It was, you were still in vaudeville. You were still in, you know, so same thing must have happened, right? All the live shows were affected. All the mass gatherings were affected. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much radio drama there was at the time. Um, that's true. We, like we have podcasting and that's been relatively unaffected by, right. by this outbreak. It sounds like back then they might've had radio and that wouldn't have necessarily been affected. Yeah. Either. Um, thank you. I mean, they, they, I think Zoom was a difficult technology at the time. <laughs> so you would not so many Zooms were going on back then. <laughs> not that many Zooms. Lots of lots of Marconis getting together in there. It's like, hey, I, hey. I can't talk. I got to do homework with my kid via Zoom. <laughs> that didn't happen in 1918. I don't think so. Um, so yeah, that that promises to continue to play out. And should it spread amongst other distributors and other other sort of studios? it could signal a tectonic shift in the way we ingest filmed media going forward. And then Lucas and Spielberg will be, will be right. Didn't they say some shit about like, this is it. This is yeah. the death of cinema. Yeah. I mean, like every three years they say, this is the death of cinema. Yeah. There's a sky is falling. I mean, at too, some but point... this is the first time where it's like, Hey, they ain't kidding. Yeah. This at ain't some... just the death of cinema. This is the death of a lot of things. They were, they were bound to be right at some point. And so maybe this is it. Um, speaking of watching shit at home, yeah. Do you know every year there's the 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 standard list of like the ten most pirated shows um, that are illegally downloaded off the internet? Um, and you know every year it's you know whatever. I it's remember Game of Thrones was for for a good long a lot. Um, but and the, by pirated they mean like these people don't have an HBO subscription. Correct. Okay. They're torrenting it off the internet illegally without paying for it. Um, and so this year, that list was released. And it's you know, a little interesting if only to say, hey, here's what people are unwilling to pay for during a pandemic, but yeah. also really want to watch. Let's hear it. Um, number 10, Harley Quinn. The cartoon. The cartoon. Uh, they don't know where to watch it, probably. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the D if you had the DC Universe app, um, you could watch it there, and H it showed up on HBO Max, but there was no big campaign or commercial going like, go to HBO Max to watch the Harley Quinn cartoon. But I could kind of, I mean, I'm not condoning it, but I could kind of understand 
yeah. like it was a buzzy show that everyone was talking about and you'd be like where do you watch it and they're like oh on this one app right so it didn't clearly drive sales to the app if only they had gotten the sales of how many people illegally downloaded it totally uh number nine agents of shield are you serious? Yeah. That's a show that's like for free on TV. ABC. Like, all you need is an actual television. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to <laughs> download that show. Really? And still people are like... Still people are like, I gotta have it. And, you know, maybe it's international as well. Like, that's we true. don't have ABC. So they can watch it like day and date as opposed right. to like watching it two weeks behind. Similarly, The Flash is number eight. Wow. Yeah. I, can, I can see that again. That seems to be like... The times that I've done uh, Flash and Supergirl, I think the American episode airs like a week at least before it does overseas, if not two weeks. So, mm. you know, if you're deep into it and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm current with America, then, you know, mm. go to a torrent site and you just watch it that night. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, number seven, The Mandalorian. I can understand that because not everybody has Disney Plus. Yeah. Like, I, I can understand that more than I can understand the Flash rates. Uh, agreed, show, agreed. Which is like, I don't want to pay for that. It's higher up the list for that very reason. Mm -hmm. And it's a very buzzy show that yeah. everyone's talked about. And if you felt like completely out of the fucking cultural loop, if you didn't know anything about Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. So I could see a lot of people watching that. You know, and especially again during a pandemic. Maybe people didn't want to break off that extra $11 a month to Can't afford out. to, right? You know, so they're like, everything's yeah, super expensive. But I guarantee you, when they get their jobs back and stuff, they like The Mandalorian enough to probably buy Disney Plus when season two comes around. That's usually how it works. Sometimes. <laughs> but if, you know, a victimless crime. It's true. Can keep on going. Why should I stop doing this now? True. Uh, number six, The 100. Surprising. Yeah, they're fans. I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying I don't understand it. I'm just not I'm that familiar with it. But I've seen a lot of people online talk about it. What number? Uh, that is number six. I would put that at 10. If I was, were you going from top to bottom or bottom to top? I'm going from 10 to one. So this is number six. Yeah. Yeah. I would have put that at 10 if I had to guess, but good for them. Yeah. I mean, bad for them, but good for them at the same time. Where is it air? Um, that's on the CW. Another CW show that you yeah, could literally be watching. like five or six seasons in. That many. Yeah. They're uh, the new supernatural. We're getting some, uh, Comments in the chat that the CW shows are very late overseas. That's what I knew. So it was people like are watching two weeks at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I remember that Doctor Who was always a big pirated show because it would air in the UK before sometimes here. months before it premiered. On I actually thought about doing that with I May Destroy You because they were. I read mm -hmm. that they're done yeah. in England, and I was like, oh fuck, I want to watch the rest. Um, number five, SpongeBob SquarePants. Why? It's for free on TV. Oh, Nickelodeon's part of cable. It is, but like, I have to think enough of that shit is on YouTube at this point. I know. Um, but yeah, SpongeBob. I guess they're still making episodes of SpongeBob, and I guess people really want to watch them. Or they're just pirating the old episodes. Yeah. Just like, listen, I'm high, and I, I want to go through the trouble of torrenting. And also, how old is he now? 20 years old? Yeah. So that's somebody's happy childhood, right? Right yes. now, in this time, you're looking for some comfort. You're like, let's just fucking get lost in old fucking SpongeBob. I want to <laughs> see what Sandy the Squirrel's up to. Number four, The Walking Dead. I would have put that like in more like nine, eight. Good to know. Wow. Yeah. No, Walking Dead is still crazy popular. Still fucking pulling in an audience. Uh, just not paying for it. Not, they don't want to. Still pay. pulling in that free audience. 
as the as the ratings go down, the piracy goes up. <laughs> I think Not, that's their tagline for season eleven. <laughs> ah, I'm true with it. <laughs> it growed on me. It growed on Mark me. Mark Bernardin. Uh, number three, My Hero Academia. Wow. Yeah. Where is it air? Um, I don't even know. I know some of it is on Netflix. It might be on like Crunchyroll or or something like that. But yeah, crazy popular. Makes sense. Anime. Who yeah. knows? I mean, that's got a massive... Everybody did. <laughs> Number two, Rick and Morty. I can absolutely see that. Um, it's, you know, on... It's it's also, number one, tough to find mm-hmm. uh, sometimes when it's not, you know, airing. Um, but number two, yeah, it's a premium to get it, especially if you want it without, like, with the curses and shit. Right. Um, I and I tend to just buy the like the iTunes subscription so that I could watch them like forever and stuff on my time. But I believe that that show is absolutely fucking brilliant. It's one of my favorite things of the last fucking ten years, man. It's so smart, so well done. It's one of those shows that almost makes you go like, I quit. I'm never gonna be this good. Uh, and the number one show, pornography. No. <laughs> that would make sense. It would make sense. Game of Thrones. Still. Still. And this is just during the COVID. This is just now. This People is like, still give a fuck. Even though we all know what happens. What happens? You know, and part of me, I mean, to be fair, it's a dubious I, honor. HBO is just like, we, yay, and yeah. fuck. Yeah. I mean, it's still number one. That's money on the table. They, but they've always been incredibly proud of that fact. HBO would always say, we are the most pirated show on the internet. Uh, like it, finding a way to make a, a, a debit into a virtue. It's like, true. Oh, yeah, right. No. You get bragging rights. You're losing yeah. money. Might as well take them bragging rights. Seriously. We got a lot of eyes on these. Um, but yeah, part of me, even I got, while I look at this and say, really? I do kind of want to re- rewatch the show. Which one? Game of Thrones. Like, because the first four seasons... Now you just know when to jump out. Yeah. It's like, hey, <clears throat> done. I know what At a certain point, here. just go like, and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> and don't watch <laughs> the last season. I'll do the sweeted version of my, like, the 10-minute wrap-up. Yes. <laughs> just, hey, you know what? It all worked out. What was the happiest season finale? When she was on her way with the dragons across the narrow sea or whatever the fuck. Yeah, the most optimistic. Yeah, where it's like, shit might work out. She might be, hey, she might be queen after all. She She may sit on the the Iron Throne. Fuck yeah. Or that dragon may burn it. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. But that would never happen. Yeah, that's a little too on the nose, no? Uh, um, All right. The last story is less a story and more a, here's a fun thing that I saw on the internet. Okay. Um, you're familiar with the actor John Cryer, are you not? Absolutely. He's Ducky from, from Pretty in Pink. He's Lex Luthor from the uh, CW uh, Berlanti-verse. Yeah. Um, I met him when we were doing that um, Crisis Aftermath show. Yeah, he was one of lovely those. dude. Super nice guy. Um, he went on a bit of a tweet thread talking about um, when he auditioned for Back to the Future. He auditioned at one point to play Marty McFly. Are you serious? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, that makes sense, timeline-wise. Yeah, he was, having a, he was having a conversation with Ben Stiller, who also auditioned to play Marty McFly back in the day. And John started to talk about, like, the Back to the Future script that I read before my audition was very different than what ended up on screen. 
It opened with Marty McFly playing the Close Encounters theme on his electric guitar while he pirated a VHS cassette of the movie. And the time machine wasn't a DeLorean that had to travel at 88 miles per hour and have 1.21 gigawatts of power, but just, well, a time machine that needed nuclear fission and a secret ingredient that turned out to be Coca-Cola. Swear to God. The final sequence didn't involve a clock tower or a lightning bolt, but instead finds Marty sneaking onto an atom bomb test site with his time machine to be near the nuclear fission that he needs for it to work. In an eerie scene, he finds the test site is complete with exquisitely detailed suburban houses and mannequins to simulate the effects of an atomic explosion on an American time. Oh my God, it's the opening of fucking... He gets in the time machine in place. The atom bomb is about to go off. Does he get in the fucking fridge? He's reaching out for the Coca-Cola. The countdown is set at 10, 9, 8. When he slips and drops the bottle, it shatters on the ground. He's all out of Coke. He panics, understandably, but then remembers he's in the 1950s, and any self-respecting American suburban home has a bottle of Coke in the refrigerator. Are you kidding me? He checks, and sure enough, there's one in there. He pours it in the time machine, but then realizes, oh, crap, he has to find out how to survive an atomic <clears throat> explosion. Again, he panics, but then it dawns on him. There's a lead-lined box nearby, otherwise known as a refrigerator. He climbs in, closes the door behind him, the bomb goes off, the time machine activates, and he's simultaneously shot back to the future. Does this sequence sound familiar to anyone? Yes! <laughs> I can hear you all collectively screaming, yes! It does. Clearly, Spielberg loved the scene so much, he repurposed it decades later for a much maligned scene in Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ooh, Cryer spilled some fucking tea. Spilled some tea. I guess he's never planning to work with fucking Spielberg again. That, that is some John Peters loving a giant spider shit right you there. You ain't kidding, boy. That guy nursed a fucking a real hard-on for that scene for years, so much so that he's like, you know, when we go back to Indiana Jones, I know exactly how to start this fucker. Yeah. Listen, George, I know you want to do this daffy-ass alien crystal skull bullshit. I'll come back and do it. Yeah. Only if George I Lucas is like, I want to I want to make a movie about crystal skulls. And Spielberg's like, hold my beer. <laughs> hold my coke. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Fucking good for Cryer. Yeah. That's I amazing. guess, you know, after all that fucking two and a half men he must have a, f a lot of fuck you money to be like you know who else is an asshole <laughs> and start <laughs> spilling all the fucking tea but it's not even like you know who's an asshole it's just here's how it was almost yeah here's how they but also it it's it a deep insight into steven spielberg yeah and what he thought was a good idea that he pulled forward there, there is an old saying that we probably shouldn't use anymore because i bet it's all kinds of insensitive but it had been used in writers' rooms all the time. Okay. Use every part of the buffalo. Yes. You know, which is, hey, you know, you wrote some script at some point and you loved it, but it never went. But here's an idea that you can maybe refashion and here's a bit you can retrofit into here and here's something you can adapt into here. Clearly, Stephen was like, you know what, man? True. I always fucking love that. I, you know what? I was getting a little judgy <laughs> and it's ironic because I was just earlier talking about how I'm working on Green Hornet. <laughs> For like the fourth time in my life. So, you know what? Good for him. Good for him for like going, I'm, I'm going to not let this waste. This is a cool idea. Dude in a fridge during a nuclear blast is going to fucking play. Yeah. I mean, it might not have played in the 80s, but it'll play in the aughts. What do you mean they didn't like it? <laughs> well, did, they, did they like the prairie dog in the beginning coming out of the... They didn't like that. Uh. Yeah. It's like, you mean it's become the jump the shark? <laughs> 2000? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you know what? He he knew 
that it would be culturally important. He, he just didn't know way. in which direction. So that's not the first time Spielberg's done that with Indiana Jones either. He stole something else? In, or uh, reused? He reused in... It, yeah, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the scene where Tote comes in and and, and ha- does like the, the hanger hangs the hanger was used in 1941 and fell flat in 1941, and he thought it was such a great bit. He reused it in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and everybody loves it and remembers it in Raiders. That's why I fucking love this show. That is an awesome <laughs> fucking story, man. Wow, two bites at that apple for Spielberg. Two bites at you that know, apple. You know, and the, how we perceive it from the outside is, oh, he's just a genius who could do no wrong. But it's like, no, he, he self-corrects. Yeah, you know, or... Even the greatest of us self-corrects. Yeah, like there's, there's a podcast that I've been listening to, well, when I was listening to podcasts in cars, called Good One. Um, it's about jokes and comedians that I think Vulture puts out, mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the the steady questions on this on the podcast is, what's one joke that you know is funny even if an audience never laughed at it, and they'd ask a comedian, it's like you know what that one like I love that joke, and here then they would tell the joke, and you know it's for the audience to agree whether or not it was actually good or not. Mm. But this feels like that thing. It's like what gag did you know was great that nobody will let you put in a movie? It's like let me tell you about this fucking fridge, or. You know what fucking kill what I thought would have killed in the audience went right over their heads. Nazi make it yourself hanger. <laughs> oh my god. I thought it was the most funny thing, but like fucking we had to cut it out of nineteen forty one because audiences are assholes. But I'm putting it in Raiders. Maybe the problem is it wasn't funny enough to be in a comedy, but it's perfectly funny enough to be in a It's an excellent thriller. point. It was probably the <laughs> lamest joke in a comedy, like full of that had John Belushi in it. Mm. But a very strong joke in a movie that's not meant to be funny <laughs> but uh but yeah I, when i saw that thread i kind of fell in love with it because you know i just Crier. love that shit like just digging up stories about the the things we almost got and we dodged bullets on let me tell you something man crier has a lot of fucking stories i would imagine he was there at ground zero too when fucking charlie sheen was like Mm-hmm. winning yep. all that stuff man I mean, hell, he was a ground zero for the brat pack yeah and that's like, right all of those fucking stories I bet you'll he's find lived through every anyone. fucking era he's like the forrest gump of this bitch <laughs> <laughs> um is that all the news that is all the news mark right gave you the news give it up for mark we can't hear you but i'm sure you're doing it um, yeah. all right it's five in the morning in the uk let's get to some q a <laughs> uh you got some questions for us there jc jc owns this here establishment it's common villainy cantina uh and closes it very graciously for us to come in here so we don't have to fight the crowds <laughs> um jc screaming hordes yes there's always here uh what do we got what do they want to know what can we tell them uh let's see chris de silvestro wants to know uh, if you guys could work with Lin Manuel Miranda on an existing IP, what would you choose to make a musical about with him? Ooh, wow! Um, how about uh, how about this? Speaking of like second bite at the apple, me and Lin Manuel doing a remake of the nineteen. 19- late 70s early 80s movie sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band (laughs) wow beatles song so they you know his job's already done for him and shit (laughs) so he doesn't have to write new lyrics (laughs) 
Um, Listen, man, this is just you to cash a check. You don't have to work Pretty much, out. man. But just with a fresh face on. It's a good story. Could have worked. Mm. A lot of people shit on it. And like, Bee Gees, Peter Frampton, fuck that. George Burns, fucking Billy Preston is the weather vane. What the fuck? It's a great movie. I love mm. it. Um, is a jukebox musical. Those are popular these days, Mark. <laughs> so I would say me and Lynn doing a jukebox, the, the jukebox, jukebox musical, the jukebox musical, fuck them high. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The, the movie, not the, you know, the Beatles classic, but the movie that was based on the entire Beatles catalog. Mm. Okay. See where uh, I went? I see where you went. Where are you going to go? Um, I have one... No, they did a musical. They did an Adams Family musical already, right? They did. All right, so not that one. B.B. Newworth played Morticia. That's right. So. And Nathan Lane played uh, Gomez. Um, I would do. <laughs> I would do Flash Gordon. Ooh, with music. With music. Songs. Songs. I mean, you got all the fucking awesome Queen. Music. Same kind of art direction, though. Oh, it's got to be daffy and crazy and shiny and everything's made of like lava lamps and I mean, badly hanged voltans flying in. Like it's already love it. kind of a shitty musical, um, but I love it to death. And so I think that would be a blast. And I also, I think there's probably a really good musical of Christine. About the car? About the demon car. It was a musical movie? Yeah. Not a Broadway show. Who wants to look at a car on stage? What is this, fucking a high school production of Grease? You'd take me to a Christine musical movie. You got my money. <laughs> I got your money. <laughs> you try to take me to theater and watch a car on a stage. I say, fuck you. We'll go to my driveway and do the same thing. <laughs> but Cars are meant to be moving, Mark, not sitting on a stage. Man, I, I think you could do some, some Starlight Express shit with this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember that shit? Man, roller skates, but it's good as a spaceship. We lived on the East Coast, so we were fed those commercials for like fucking years where they try desperately tried to make that a thing. Yes. And there are people who went who were like, it's spellbinding and shit, but like, you know. I always I lived for the It wasn't cats, let's say that. It wasn't now and forever. It was like 15 minutes and gone. (laughs) But I I used to love it was there for about two scaramoochies and then (laughs) they used to to have the uh, the commercials for the Broadway shows, which was always testimonials from rando people standing in front of a brick wall with the poster of the play. We had such a good time. I'd see it twice more times. Yes. I'm in from Pomona and it was amazing. Ramona. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I would do I, I think that that fucking demon car and teenager with like crazy libido who likes a girl and wants the car like they're all shitters <laughs> i hate all these shitters you're a demon behind the wheel <laughs> but you understand me christine <laughs> uh, but with more rap oh good point it's lin-manuel <laughs> it's true there's gotta there'd be some interesting you know i don't know why am i writing lyrics i'm embarrassed now <laughs> He'll be writing them lyrics. Uh, all right. That's a good question. I question like two. Uh, this one's from Adrian Pink. Adrian. Adrian Pink. Hey, Adrian, Adrian Pink. It's a hot name. Uh, man. They it's would a like to name know right there. Uh, if you could make a season of 24 and base it around a superhero, who would it be and what would be the story? So it would have to be like minute for minute, like Ooh. 24 hours. And we get a whole season of this? And you get, yeah, you've got 24 hours to make a. To tell a story. To tell that tell story. story. With those characters. In oh, real fucking time. Batman, hands down. 
minute by minute Batman and I'm in charge of the show. Sorry, I'm looking at JC. <laughs> minute by minute Batman and I'm in charge of the show. Fuck, man. Are you kidding me? You do the entire rogues gallery. Maybe twice in one mm. season. Um, and what's more interesting than Batman? Fuck Jack Bauer, man. I'd much rather watch Batman do the same shit in a mask. <laughs> Jack, Bauer. Um, Jack Bauer, he could have had my loyalty if he would just put on a fucking cowl and a cape, but he didn't. So Batman 24. Fox. <laughs> you. Nice. Uh, the fall of I'll do you one better. Batman 24-7. It'd be 24 hours and a week-long show. And he also opens a convenience store. <laughs> <laughs> Batman store 24-7. <laughs> Oddly enough, there's a robot clerk, which turns evil. Batman has to take it out. We got a lot of time to fill. Uh, I would do the last day on Krypton. I would do the 24 hours before the planet Fuck, explodes. that's good. That's good. We know what's coming. We know what's coming. The iceberg's coming. But we don't know any of the shit it, that happens before that. Jorel, through Jorel's perspective, through Jorel's perspective, or maybe from from mom's perspective, or maybe Laura. Yeah, no, fucking no, Jorel, do it through Jorel's. Or perspective. both the parents. Yeah. Let's just say then through again, yeah. through the L's, through the house, through the house of L. Yeah, one big L, one big L. Well, they all <laughs> they all L'd on that <laughs> fateful day. Uh, that's a good fucking call, man. Yeah. I like that. I watch your show. You know what? Let's I think I have a few bucks in my pocket. Yeah. I'm going to donate to your cause. Do you have Quibi money? Yeah, I might have some <laughs> Quibi money on me. That's a Quibi series right there, yeah. man. Or like, not, we could probably go to HBO Max tomorrow and be like, hey, you know what we want to do? Twenty. Remember 24? They're like, we don't own that. We're like, all right, well, then forget it. Yeah. That's How right. about? <laughs> we'll just call it the last days of Krypton. Yeah. And it takes place over the course of 24 hours. So each episode is an hour is an hour they're like that sounds like 24 i'm like i well, thought it's not it's not it's super it's maybe this idea is not for warner brothers they're like yeah. it's only for warner brothers <laughs> maybe it's Jarrell torturing a lot of people to get information about how to fuel a spaceship and maybe we'll just take this idea across the street to marvel they're like <laughs> good luck <laughs> um i like that man Shit, was that the second question? That's the second question. What if you did 24, but it was 24 minutes? Yeah. But each minute was an hour, and you did it as the Flash moving super fast. Go back to us. Ooh, that's a good idea. That's not bad. Yeah, he's running at a different pace and shit. But wait, so the rest of us are as statues. Does he get to unfreeze from time to time? Or is he everyone he deals with? Otherwise, he's a solo act. Everyone he deals with is has, would have to be in time with him and within the speed force to some degree. Can yes. he bring people with him? Otherwise, otherwise, we got no dialogue. Yeah, he'd have a to series grab of monologues people. where he's like, "I'm alone. <laughs> I can't sucks. run fast enough. Run, Barry, run. run like Barry, Superman run. could show up. You should be in charge. It's a good idea. That's true. Superman could pop in. That's would, smart. I would also maybe do uh, 24 starring Chewbacca on Cloud City as he's trying to figure out what the fuck happened. Ooh. Like, who's here? What are these stormtroopers doing here? What's happening? Where did C-3PO go? That's right. And where he gets shitty with the Ugnaughts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. C -3PO. And they torture him, too. They yeah. tortured fucking Chewie. And, like, does he go in and eat the dinner that Darth Vader laid out after they get taken away? That. That is always, I honestly feel like sooner or later, somebody's going to fucking do it, right? And I hope it's John Favreau, but like, 
that fucking dinner has always captured my imagination. Well, and he's hungry in Return of the Jedi and gets him into trouble. So you know he always thinks with his stomach. Chewy. Fuck Chewy of it all. Just the fascinating fucking fact that Darth Vader is going to sit down to dinner with him and sooner or later take his helmet off to eat. And they're going to be like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I'm not hungry. Yeah, put the helmet back on. Put it on. <laughs> um, or... You know, it's Darth Vader in the mask and he's just with a straw to his... Still, just the idea of like, did they have a conversation? Did he lay out his villain plan for them? Did they sit there quietly? I would just like the, the shot of Vader just breathing heavily and a straw slowly into the bottom screen. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking bonk. <laughs> um, I always, I've loved that fuck. It's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars history just for... The doors open. You they see Darth Vader, and Han Solo's first instinct is to fucking shoot him. Oh, I love that. That is like fucking. It's you know. I remember. I think we talked about it on Spawncast years ago. But I was like, and this was pre the death of Osama bin Laden. But that's like his reaction was like the doors open and there was Osama bin Laden. And he was like, oh my, like I've got a chance. Um, I'm gonna draw down on Vader. It's fucking insane, man, and and just so like, I like what if he what if he hit him? Like imagine if he fuck like Star Wars ends in the middle of Empire Strikes Back, if Han Solo fucking gets a shot in and Vader's like, holy shit! Storytelling. It's like, Remember what was that movie? Uh, fucking uh, oh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm. Spoilers at the end when fucking uh, what's his name from L.A. Law? Corbin um, Berenson. Corbin Berenson is going to shoot Robert Downey Jr. He shoots him first. He goes. Fucking magic. No, that's it. Fucking Captain Magic. <laughs> oh, that movie's so fucking good. You, is it now? You like that movie. Kiss Kiss, Kiss Bang Yeah, Man. I dig it. Where is that compared to the Fast and Furious movies? It's better than the Fast and Furious movies? Well, the, yeah. I mean, the first the first Fast and Furious movie is a, just it's a fucking cop, undercover cop drama. Right. Like, not bad at but it. Somehow but it morphs into... Somehow it becomes a fucking superhero extravaganza. But I think that, that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I love that movie, is better technically than any of them. Right. But if here's what it is. If Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was actually a prequel to Iron Man. Yes, which it is. And then you get to Avengers, you're like, oh, shit. I didn't think that's where this was going. Right. I didn't think the dude would be in fucking space. But okay. That's about the trajectory of Fast One to Let's save Fast that for nine. my fifties. We can do that when we I hit my fifties, which as we know isn't that far away. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been told with re reliable assertion yeah, that I've, it's I've, soon. I've heard. I mean comicbook.com can quote me on this. I believe my birthday is very soon. <laughs> um I, I, I'll do that in my fifties, man. And then we should record podcasts about it. Um, but I think prior to my fifties, like now. I was prior to my fifties. Dude, you're like four days left. I know. I gotta pick. <laughs> I gotta pick carefully. These are the last movies in my forties, man. But you're making me want to watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang again. <laughs> I like how this conversation made you want to watch everything but Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to avoid it like the plague. I'm like, I better watch some old shit first. It's like I got this far without watching. I'm not gonna start now. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is so amazing. I was selling somebody on Wag the Dog. Oh, Josh and Liv. I was like, you guys haven't seen Wag the Dog? I haven't seen that movie in years. It's fucking good. It's so good. And right now, it's finger on the pulse. Mm. Crazy fucking good. Relevant. Um, all right. 
Third question, third and final, takes us home. Right. And there are two fucking good questions that uh, preceded it. So mm. three better be better be hot shit on toast, JC. Particularly topical for the show. Okay. Uh, the best birthday gift you guys ever received and the one you wanted but never got. Ooh. I don't know. I didn't I never really fetishized my birthday as a kid and I still don't now. I you know, my family makes fun of me cuz the you know, the first thing I think about when it comes to my birthday is like, "Oh, that's a marketable event." <laughs> like we could totally sell tickets to something. And they're like, "What do you want to do?" And I'm like, "That's it." My like I have a hard time my kid has a hard time understanding that you know she's like what do you do for fun dad you never do anything for fun and i'm like i do kevin smith (laughs) all day long everything is funnest fucking thing (laughs) in the world (laughs) um but um i you know when it comes to gifts that i didn't get and gifts that i did get it won't be birthday can i go with christmas instead the gift that i didn't get for christmas uh, when I was five or six, six years old, was I wanted the Mego Batcave. Mm. Now, mind you, I didn't even have the Mego Batman doll. I assumed I'd get that as well. <laughs> what kind of cruel parent gives you a Batcave with no dolls to play just, with? Just haunted Batcave. <laughs> I thought it was like I'd get the one gift and a backdoor second gift. You know, I was planning ahead and shit. But we were not uh, wealthy people whatsoever. I would also like a backdoor second gift. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was the gift my father was looking for that Christmas. A little backdoor from my mother. Yeah, Batcave, Plato's Retreat. Either way, you get the backdoor second gift. He's like, it's Christmas, Grace. Come on. <laughs> the boy's getting the Batcave. What is the man getting? Um, my mom, God bless her. It's not quite gift of the Magi, but like, you know, my mom was like, well, he wants a Batcave. And the Mego Batcave was way 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 too expensive uh my father was making like you know 70s poor he was making 70s government salary salary and it wasn't a lot um so they christmas comes and i don't know that i'm not getting the back cave i i i'm it's hinted that santa might be bringing me a back cave so i'm thinking i'm getting the fucking Mego back cave this is gonna be crazy and then I open up one of my gifts on Christmas morning, and it is a, it is a bat cave, <laughs> um, and it's like uh, kind of uh, plastic. Uh, it's got a handle. On the front of it is like Wayne Museum, and then on the back side is like the bat cave. You open it up, and there are you know paper dolls that stick in little plastic cylinders so they can stand up and. Um, very very um you know well a, a back cave is better than no back cave <laughs> but it was the first time like i realized oh we're like we're poor mm. like it's that simple and i was raised pretty like well by my parents and politely and shit so i was i never said that to them where i'm like you're poor <laughs> but like it, why are we poor yeah why is this happening to me <laughs> where's our wealth <laughs> um but uh but yeah it was kind of bittersweet I, and i do actually do have a I have another fucking <laughs> I, here that you know what the question was what did, did i ever get a birthday gift that i what was my favorite birthday gift mm. The one that kept on giving, I do have an answer for that. I was going to tell a sad story about when my dad, I wanted a BMX bike so badly, and my father um, built me one out of an old bike. (laughs) But in order, you know, to like BMX, we had an old fucking, you know, old timey bike and shit. He took like, 
a metal not even a huffy like yeah. i wanted a huffy we had like fucking you know Schwinn. a girl bike with a banana the schwinn seat and shit so he you know remember like bmx bikes had the metal bar across yeah. the middle and with shit. a little puffy uh he got a little piece of fucking tin tube and then chicken wired it Aww. between the yes now that of course <laughs> but as a kid i was like my mom was like your dad's been working on your bike for like a week you're gonna love it and shit and they opened the garage and it was you know like homer's car like when homer built his dream car in the simpsons it's just so like you know fucking oh my god like it was bad enough riding this bike before now he's just you know blinged it up in 1979 <laughs> with like you know some chicken wire and shit and now i would give you every penny that i have to get that bike mm. to have that fucking bike because it was made with incredible fucking love and affection you know and made by a guy who was like i can't give him what he wants but maybe i could get fucking close he didn't but <laughs> he left an indelible mark on my heart that fucking bike i i wish i could get that bike again um but anyway the birthday gift i always wanted and i did get and it was my favorite one and it changed my life as well was a uh, smith corona word processor Ooh, got a smith corona word processor when i was a kid I, we had an electric typewriter a smith corona electric typewriter and they sold this additional package that came with like there were no computers yet i guess there was an apple computer an early lisa or something so you had a drive that you put a disc into a floppy disk and that connected to the typewriter and the typewriter the electric typewriter was your keyboard mm -hmm. this drive you could save the work and then there was a monitor like a green dot matrix monitor that you were looking at the word essentially word processing before microsoft came along and stuff and then when you wanted to print it out you put paper into the electric typewriter as you would and then press the start key and then it typed like a ghost was typing mm. and it took five minutes per page to type it out <laughs> but it you know that was me my parents you know put some money into it, it was like probably 175 bucks or something back then which was a lot for us and that you know of course i was loved writing and, and i wanted to be a writer and stuff so number one it was great for that but number two like it, it was not just here's a fucking pen and paper go right it was like here's you know kind of cutting edge technology we're not gonna buy a computer because fuck that but like here's something that you can save your work on. i wrote fucking clerks on that i wrote everything on that for fucking years that was my training ground and stuff um so that that was hands down i think the best birthday gift i ever got also got a laser disc player once mm. that was pretty cool what about you um the present that i wanted and got mm. i must have been like eight years old and i wanted a green machine do you remember green machines oh i was too fat for a green machine <laughs> I was too chubby as a kid for a green machine. Plus, that was a rich kid's toy. I mean, that, that was a, like, you know, parents are working overtime to get the toy. I mean, look, you know, most kids were lucky to get a big wheel, but a green machine? Yeah. That was, like, a big wheel plus. It was the DeLorean to, like, a big machine. The Tesla of big wheels. Yeah, because it, it steered from the back. And had two handles. And had two handles. It was like a fucking tank. Yeah. And so you're like, meh, meh. Still had to pedal it, but you still have to pedal it because you know nobody's putting motors. And in it also in. had the amazing name, the Green Machine. The green Machine. So like, I had a big wheel that I literally rode so much 
that it went from because the big wheel up front, which is where your feet were, um, was made of plastic. Yeah. And if you do it enough, you basically wear the plastic down. So instead of having one tire, you had like two records <laughs> right. like next <laughs> That's to each what other. You're and then you couldn't fucking steer at all. <laughs> um, but the, so then I got the green machine and I then proceeded to almost kill myself with it because when I was a kid, we, we were living in the Bronx and we were on this street that was. Uh, we were perpendicular, and there was a big hill oh, on shit. the other side of the street. So it was no just place like, for a green machine. Every that street was like just this fucking terrace of do of doom, and so you'd like pull your bike up, or you'd you'd huff your goddamn green machine to the top of the hill, and then just tear down, and then try and turn into your street. <sighs> and this is fucking asphalt pavement. Doing like at least 20, 25 miles Doing per like hour. fucking like, you know, bus speeds. Yeah. But you can't stop for any rail, rail, railroad crossings. And so I try to make that turn into my street. And there's no rubber anywhere on a no. green machine. It is just plastic. Hard plastic. Hard fucking plastic. And so, you know, 30 miles an hour trying to make this turn. And I, I, I think I might have actually like turned a degree before distraction was a myth. And then I just started spinning down this hill. Just until and there were because the, for some reason in the bronx in this part of it there were woods um i but it was more like just a patch of non-developed land at the bottom of this hill right and i just like and then hit the lip of the curb and then went airborne and managed to miss every tree in there and then just landed in the dirt you are so lucky yes with a busted green machine like the day no I you're lucky that you got a green machine <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch oh my god your parents must have loved you yeah you're exactly. lucky you didn't fucking die could you imagine all the neighbors just going like he's gonna die yeah oh, <laughs> watching you die. spin down the hill you know just watching me climb it up there like oh don't do that yeah like oh, this ain't on. gonna go well get some popcorn yeah like somebody you should get his parents now oh they're both at work oh baby you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's the best one i ever got um it lasted about a day and uh and then the one that I wanted and never got mm. was the um, the Millennium Falcon action figure holder, like the collecting case case that was shaped like a Millennium that Falcon, was shaped like a Millennium Falcon. And I did you have the Darth Vader collector case, the C three PO collector case? I had the Vader collector case, but I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fucking Vader. I want the Falcon. Yeah. And I think the fact that I had the Vader case made it that I was never going to get the Falcon. Oh, because they were like, you already got one. You got a fucking case already. We're not rich. You're like, we got green machine money. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, you got the case. He's like, but I have more figures now. I was like, well, you got a bag. Put the fucking figures in a bag. Why do you need a special case? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I remember my mom being like, here's a bag from Food Town. Put the figures in there. I'm like, Ma, no. That's not how this goes. I had two. I never got the C-3PO case, but I had two Darth Vader figurehead Ooh. collector cases. Because, like, one barely fit the collection. Mm. Like, you needed more you space. Needed more than one. Do you remember the original collector case which wasn't even shaped like a thing it was just like a box nylon or vi- you know that yeah it's just a box with two trays and mm-hmm. shit but once they started making it in the shape of things like i still have my darth vader collector case yeah no i mine never showed up apparently santa at the workshop just couldn't make that shit happen never got you your millennium falcon i never got a Millennium falcon and like because because then you could fucking play with the falcon you could it's a double thing it's a double thing 
And I, that was my logic because I always had to like make a case for why I wanted something. Yeah, like, like it's a two and one. It's a twofer. Like you always want me to clean my room. This will help me clean my room. I put all my fucking toys in here and then I get to play with it. And you're always like, why is he watching so much TV? <laughs> it's a floor dog? cleaner. It's a toy. It's a floor <laughs> cleaner. It's a toy. I'm doing this for you, mom. Yes. I'm trying to make your life easier. I remember trying to convince my dad to buy me a copy of Mad Magazine that had King Kong in it. They did King Kong that issue because mm. it also had a parody of Network. And I knew he wanted to see that. I was like, Dad, they've got nut work. Nut work. You wanted to see it. Like as if he was like, oh, they're doing network, are they? Well, here's 60 cents. Here you go, kid. For your humor and a weathered bane. Uh, so, yeah, those, th that, that's my present narrative. All I take from all of that is you were rich enough to own a green machine. I, look, I looked up to kids like you in childhood. <laughs> Then again, I lived in the Bronx. <laughs> and not like the Riverdale shiny-ass part of the Bronx. You're like, oh, is that a body? Wait, Riverdale isn't... Like, there's a Riverdale... There's a Riverdale in but the that Bronx, wasn't, but it's not the Riverdale. It's not meant to be like where Archie is and shit. No, I don't think so. So that's just anywhere USA, right? Riverdale, USA. They never identify it. Like, no, this is Riverdale, yeah. Missouri, motherfucker. Right, like Springfield. It's right. just it's, its own world and shit. Amorphous place. Um, I think for a second there, I was like, "You just fucking shattered my mind." Was <laughs> Riverdale's in the Bronx? Was it originally? Was it based on the Bronx? I mean, I don't know where the people who created Archie are from, right? But it wouldn't surprise me that they're from New York because everybody who made every comic book ever was from New York Good for point. the first forty years of it. And so, like, yeah, no, that could be a dude who grew up just outside of there. I think they mentioned like Riverdale in. 25th hour spike lee movie mm. like because i think she goes to school yeah up there it's a ritzy like part of town is it really yeah and yeah. she was wearing a uniform it's like that'll a private it. school kind of thing that'll do it i love that movie um and before we go um there is another beloved pop culture icon who is celebrating a birthday who bugs bunny 80 years old 80 years old man yeah also from the bronx oh my god a true <laughs> new yorker um you know that uh, it was the other day that it was the 80th anniversary of the very first Bugs Bunny mm. short, hence Bugs Bunny's 80th birthday. And naturally, Twitter blew up. So there was lots of, you know, gifts of some moments that I haven't thought about in a while, but were are burned into my fucking brain from childhood because we saw them so many times. Mm. We didn't have options when we were kids. They were like, Here's the Looney Tunes show. We're going to play it all week. You're eventually, next week, you'll see the same episodes. Because even though they made a bunch, you know, sooner or later, you're seeing reruns and shit like that. But it didn't matter because everything Bugs Bunny did was just so heroic to a child because he stood up to everybody. He was the little guy who fucking was the smartest guy in the room. Didn't matter if there was a giant wrestler or fucking some big opera singer or a dude with guns or Bull. hunter or, yeah, or, or fucking uh, a monster, mm -hmm. um, a Frankenstein. Like he, he was just always quickest one. Like I, there was a line in uh, Rick and Morty this season where he's like, uh, what you're doing is called negging and your generation didn't invent it. It was invented by Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I realized in looking at a lot of those clips how much of my sensibility and my character came from watching Bugs Bunny. Mm. Like, you know, it, it's he's incredibly influential. Um, and, you know, now, of course, he, like they're doing new 
mm-hmm. animated shorts on uh, HBO, Max. HBO, which I checked out, and they were like, "Oh shit, it, it's like them, just you know, fucking made for TV." Mm-hmm. Doesn't have quite the doesn't have the cinematic twenty four frame animation, which all the the Looney Tunes cartoons had because they were fucking movie shorts. They played in movie theaters and stuff. So you know, Bugs Bunny's always been with us, but like, I didn't really give it a deep think until his birthday, where I was like. So much of like what I do, what I write about, my characters, the things, even particularly right now we're doing Sun and Lockdown, mm-hmm. very Looney Tunes inspired more than anything else. So yeah, he was, and I loved Chuck Jones, the work of Chuck Jones. I went to see Bugs Bunny on Broadway, wow. but not on Broadway. It was at the Garden State Arts Center, so I don't know <laughs> if that counts. But you know, same thing. They played, because this was years ago in the like 80s, they played cartoons and then had an orchestra play along something that like now is fairly commonplace they do at the hollywood bowl or did all the time before the covid and stuff but this was so new they were like we're fucking playing bugs bunny cartoons with a goddamn orchestra playing in front of it and people like that's classy and shit um but yeah i i I love bugs bunny more way more than most animated characters I, i was never a mickey mouse guy i was very much a bugs bunny guy yeah i mean me too and i think some of it is I feel like Disney was the DC mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers cartoons were you Marvel. Are, you are so fucking damn right. You know, and like I liked DC fine, but Marvel always felt like, no, that's the real world. That's the world that I grew up in. It's the, I could find the Baxter building if I wanted to because they give an address on a street that actually exists in Manhattan. And Bugs Bunny was a fucking upstart kid from the Bronx. I mean, that's what Mel Blanc said that he patterned the voice after. And that sense of whatever it is, I can handle it. You know, whatever the problem, I'll find a way through it. You know, and I'm, I'm never going to lose, but I'm also kind of never really going to win. Mm. You know, I'll always persevere. Like, that's what it was. Like, whatever your problem was, I could find a way out of it. I can rescue a stalemate from the jaws of defeat. And transgressive. Like, mm-hmm. all the Looney Tunes cartoons felt like, as a kid, as you watch them, you were getting away with something like violent and i'm not saying oh my cartoons should be violent but like disney didn't do transgressive disney did beautiful lyrical um you know fun Mm -hmm. goofy if you will but looney tunes like did the people's comedy you know it felt like they were doing shakespeare and shakespeare when they did shakespeare was for like everybody Mm -hmm. for the common people not for the royals and shit like that Looney Tunes always felt that way. Wasn't it awesome that remember the fucking the dogs, you know, cartoon where the dogs come after him and they're all <laughs> piled up and they line up and shit. And one of them opens them like a gate and steps through and bugs at the end of an alley. And then he picks up a book to mm. protect himself and all the dogs go running away and he looks at the book and it says a tree grows in Brooklyn. <laughs> I just remember like asking my parents, like, I don't why. Mm. Why did they, that book? And then my dad being like, because dogs pee on trees. <laughs> and it was like, even the simple understanding of, oh. There it is. Like, I learned, I didn't learn that dogs pee on trees by looking at it in the natural world. <laughs> I learned because Bugs Bunny taught me, you know? Yeah. No, it, it, is, it is an indelible creation, mm. you know, made with crazy speed. You know, like they were pumping out those cartoons at an incredible rate. And there's a stretch. There's like 15 years where like it's Chuck Jones and Frizz Freeling and and Michael Maltese wrote Michael like Maltese, almost all of them. You know, just going to town and 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 building ex- your childhood and exploding the form of the art itself. Mm. And some of that stuff is as 
um, avant-garde and is as progressive as anything that would come from the French New Wave, that anything that would come out of any of the movies, you know, they were heavily influenced by stuff um, going all the way back to German Expressionism. And then it's in a fucking kids cartoon. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, some of us, I mean, they very famously said it on Seinfeld where mm -hmm. she was like, everything you know about <laughs> culture comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons. Um, you know, we, 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 most of us are of our age got our first sample of opera via Bugs Bunny. What's opera doc? And, and rabbit of Seville, like <laughs> crazy man. Like, but they weren't playing for us. Mm -mm. They made those cartoons for like our parents in some cases. Yeah. You know, or like we talked about in the beginning of the, of the, of the show, that it was stuff that a kid could like, mm. but it was so layered and deep and came from a place of pure expression that anybody could find something in it. And that's what great animation can be in a, in a way, in a way that almost, not to say that no other form can, but it is so free with its own rules yeah, and so elastic with what it can achieve that it's the thing that makes the most sense to hit every audience at once. I saw a tweet, a lot of tweets, appreciating Bugs as one of the uh, first, like uh, as a, as a transgender icon mm. because he was gender fluid gender fluid he would dress up almost like every third cartoon like he's wearing a dress <laughs> and, with and and remember like uh you know i think it was wayne and garth in uh wayne's world or one of the sketches they were talking about garth was just like when bugs bunny dressed up like a girl it makes me feel funny in the pants <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was like when you were a kid and you watched him whenever he did dress up like a girl you're like i could i could see being married to that yeah <laughs> convincing yeah and like and i remember and some of those cartoons there, there was one i don't know why it just popped into my head but it was the the short fat guy and the tall skinny guy marooned on an island yeah and they're just literally like thinking about cannibalism and it's like you know i'm gonna eat that dude it's like you know what I'm gonna eat that dude too. And then Bugs Bunny shows up. It's like, let's eat the bunny. Yeah. It's a cartoon about cannibalism, you guys, for kids. Yes. <laughs> and it ends with them looking at each other, seeing meat, and chasing each other down the beach. Uh huh. Yeah. The yeah. implication is when these credits are over, one of these men is going to eat the <laughs> other man. <laughs> but nah. But that ain't Bugs Bunny's problem. Nope. <laughs> He's on a ship. <laughs> Happy birthday. Bugs. Indeed. Thank you for everything. Yeah, really. It's That's... also another famous fictional character's 40th birthday. Hold on. Let's think. After, on the 31st. Mm. On July 31st, fictional character. 40 years 40 ago. 40 years old. Harry Potter? It's Harry Potter's 40th birthday. He's going to turn 40. Tomorrow. Right. Not I also am plugging my 12-hour live stream. There we go. There we <laughs> go. I knew there was a the reason. The, master, the other penny drops, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, Juan chooses the wizard, as it seems. <laughs> it is Harry's 40th birthday, though. What are you guys doing for it? Uh, you can do drive-up potions. We Ooh. have all little test tubes where you can mix your own drinks. And uh, we're going to do a 12-hour live stream. So we have... Um, one of the Weasley boys coming on to chat. We have uh, Dan Fogler's coming on to chat. Oh, fucking A. Um, some really good podcasts. Uh, we're giving away a bunch of Sideshow collectibles and Funko Pop stuff. What day is this? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So starting out. in nine hours. Nine hours the live stream begins. Mm -hmm. And they could drive up and get potions. 
potions class, alcoholic potions class. Get some of that polyjuice shit. Hell yeah. That's fucking dope, man. You want to celebrate Harry Potter's birthday tomorrow? Come Jump on online. Down. Where is it? At the at uh, your stream? Uh, on our Twitch page, our YouTube, and our Facebook. And also, we partnered with MuggleNet, who is like the biggest non-official mm. Harry Potter. So you can watch it on MuggleNet also. Fucking A. Or if you're here in town, drive up, get yourself some liquor. It's always a good idea. Wine's liquor in a car. <laughs> drive through Booze Emporium. <laughs> Um, there it is, folks. Or as, as uh, a better man than both of us once said, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. Um, did you have a good time, ladies and gentlemen? Did you learn a thing or two? I know I did. I learned that I'm not going to watch those Fast and Furious movies <laughs> until I get into my 50s. Until I'm, until I'm an old man. Until I've so, lived half a century. So then I think like I'm ready. Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> it's coming very soon. Uh, but tonight, like what are the things I was talking about watching? Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle, what was it, Andrew? Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah, I'm probably going to wind up watching that again. I know. I watch that a couple times a year. It's so fucking good. Uh, Val Kilmer's great in that, too. You know what I just rewatched this week and fucking can't like get enough of? Hmm. The MacGruber movie. Did you ever see it? I, I haven't seen all of it. It is fucking legit hysterical. Yeah. He, I'm telling you, it's worth your time. He is, he is fucking brilliant, Will Forte. I love Will Forte. There was just something about that movie that go for it. Uh, There's, I know I'm with you. I had a bias, and one day I saw a scene. And I was like, "That was funny," and then I was like, "I'll give it a shot." It's fucking fantastic. I Cry, you, I cried so hard. I laughed so hard. I cried during one scene. I'll uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. Okay, I'll watch MacGruber. And what do I watch? Fast and the Furious. No, that's too many of those. There's only one MacGruber. <laughs> you got to trade me a one for one. Like you watch MacGruber, I'll watch A Man from Uncle. Okay. All right. <laughs> They're <laughs> aggregate films. <laughs> kind of the same, same movie old, when you think old. about it. Like white guys running jumpy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right. So you'll watch MacGruber. Yes. Fucking hysterical. And I will watch uh, Man from And we'll report back Uncle. here next week. Next week. With our feelings. Same fat time. Same fat. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet because we still have to sing Happy Birthday. To yeah. whom? To you. I don't need no song. Yeah, you do. Know what I need? Money. Buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> to the Kevin Smith live stream. 50 questions, 50 years of streaming with Kevin Smith. Uh, I don't know where. I think it's you go to smodcast.com for tickets. Hey, sing me a song at sixpence, bitch. I want your money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need your wishes. Well, wishes, I need your cash. Somebody Happy was like, birthday. why are you charging for this? And I was Happy like, we got we to gotta pay some bills, man. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. What? What is that? Like, what? version are you singing that's the stevie wonder black version of happy birthday oh that was your stevie wonder no because i can't do stevie wonder fair enough that, that was my like a drunk teddy pentagrass version that was you take your panties off happy birthday to you shake it down you oh, got baby. you got you got what i need <laughs> you got you got you got what i want oh my god that was good how bad right? yeah well you did have band work didn't you weren't you in a band <laughs> i was the lead singer of a band you were a singer that was not very good hit it again here like the, no bullshit try to give your best teddy just that line but at top volume as if we were in 10,000 person arena. Okay. Watch your ears, everybody. <laughs> you got, you got, you got what I want. That's pretty fucking good, man. You got, you got, you got what I need. My only criticism is bringing that mic closer. I didn't want to blow people's brands out. 
I think that's what they're looking for when you're doing Teddy Pettigrass. You got to blow their minds. And I got to blow their backs out. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Teddy. Um, it comes from the diaphragm. You got, you got, you got, you got, you got. You got. When do you, well, how, when do you turn 50? Uh, I will be 49 in November. So, so I got you by a year. Got me by a year and change. I get to be a 50, uh, an astronaut. I can tell you what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe save you a trip if you don't want to go when it's yeah, time. To the undiscovered country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might want to watch that too. Ooh. Every time we do this show, like when I go home, the other week I did go watch The Mist and I was really fucking sad because <laughs> it was like two in the morning by the time it ended. And I was like, fuck man that's that that movie hits hard <laughs> um but i think i think i don't know i just watched kiss kiss bang bang but now i'm like i'm just remember the end of the movie like when they do like the ps that was mm. almost shot on video and it happens after the scene with val kilmer where he comes in and he fucking like belts her <laughs> father in bed and shit and he's like yeah, well, he's like, what are you hitting a poor man he's like yeah poor you and shit and then he leaves and you're like what a fucking weird ending then they have this little PS where Robert Downey Jr. is just talking to like the live stream camera or whatever like that. And he's like, uh, how about that scene with the old man? He goes, psh, psh, right? That was kind of harsh. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, fuck him, he's creepy. <laughs> oh, I'm watching that movie. I just figured. <laughs> but I will watch. Decision made. Yes, decision fucking made. I will watch. Um, um, I keep wanting to say a man for all seasons. Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Directed by the guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, oh, he always yeah. does something entertaining. Did you see his Aladdin or no? Um, I did see his Aladdin. And? Uh, it's fine. Was it a whole new world? It was not, though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the next t-shirt. It was not, though. That's your review show right there. I wanted to love it. I went in ready to love it. I was ready to embrace it. It was not, though. <laughs> and then when you liked it instead, it yeah, growed on me. It growed on me. It was not, though. Two snaps in a circle. Um, I'm watching it. You make sure you watch MacGruber. I will. Everybody out there watch MacGruber. That's my homework. Kind of hoping that they get a sequel like way later. <laughs> They're going to TV show. What? Yeah, the Peacock. They're doing a MacGruber TV show. Are you fucking... Why isn't this in the news? Because it's six months old, dude. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. It's, when is that happening? Soon. I bet you they would wrap production already. Happy fucking birthday to me. <laughs> oh my God. Finally. Fucking something I'm into is news getting second life. That's fucking useful news. That's something to look forward to. Boom. We got to beat this COVID. MacGruber's coming, man. <laughs> something to watch. Um, right on. Fucking that. Well, that's a good reason to rewatch MacGruber. There you go. It's now I good know. times. Good life. Knowing is half the battle. Is it gonna, it's going to be him, though. Will yeah, Forte. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think Kristen Wiig will come back? I would not be surprised if she did. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much she's going to be in it, but I fucking this is making me so happy. <laughs> like the sad thing is like, you know, uh, fucking people are watching this and like, oh, he really likes this idea. And then tomorrow morning, they'll be like, Kevin Smith died in a car accident on his way home from the scum and villain cantina. And people will be like, he really wanted to see that MacGruber show. <laughs> what a fucking bummer for him, man. Aww. If that happens, kids, I lived a good life and I've enjoyed MacGruber. And you know what? I'll watch the new one from heaven <laughs> if there is such a thing. And if not. I'll watch it straight from hell, <laughs> which I made dogma, so I'm pretty sure that's where I'm headed. I bet you of the two, hell has a streaming plan. That's true. Heaven's like, read a book. Yeah. In hell, they're just like, you can watch uh, Crackle. 
<laughs> and that's not a judgment on Crackle. I'm just saying. No, but it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> like we have nothing but Quibi, sir. <laughs> I'm like, Quibi? Well, that's a fine product. You know, they got a show that I like very much on it called Slutfest. Coming soon. Uh, there it is, man. Did you have a good time? If you did, it's because yeah. Mark pulled that fucking news, particularly that Green Hornet story, man. Give it up for Mark Bernard. Yeah, that was a tough find, but, uh, but I tracked it down. It's good find. Good story. Good ink. Mm. Uh, there it is. Uh, folks, come back next week. Probably do it Friday night again. This week we did it on Thursday. Next week we might do it on Friday. Back to Fridays. Next week we might do it on Saturday. Fuck you. We'll, we'll let you know when it's going to yeah, happen. We'll get, where are you going to be? Yeah, we have no... <laughs> no yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch us because we're on. There you go. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. For Fat Man Beyond, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Tune in next time. Same. Fat time, same fat channel, smodcast.com or you got, you got, you got smodcast.com. It growed on me. It growed on me. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.